soda. Just don't do it. Um, so like I've got a piece of Coca-Cola in my fridge in the garage. I have for other people. If they if they want a Coca-Cola, I've got it. Um, I'll snag one sometimes. You know? Like I don't I don't if I go to the movies or whatever, I order a lemonade. I used to be so bad about drinking soda that, like, instead of falling asleep with, like, a uh, bottle of water or something nearby, uh, in case I woke up and got thirsty, I would have, like, a bottle of Coke. Just wash that all over my disgusting teeth every night in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, then I started having dental problems, which who could have guessed? Wow, that's and, surprising. Yeah, fucking blew me away. Uh, and I spent a lot of money fixing that, so I decided not to drink soda anymore. Uh, and then, like, uh, about a year ago, I... Had a Dr. Pepper slip past my lips for the first time in about a decade, and it's just been drinking Dr. Pepper ever since. Yeah, it's a, it's delicious. So I get it. Uh, I used to um, when I was in college, um, there was a little uh, like a bodega down the street um, called Scooties, and they sold two liters of Dr. Pepper cold. So you could go in there and you get a two liter for like twenty cents more, a twenty ounce. I'd go in there and buy an entire two liter of Dr. Pepper and just lug that joker around for a while um, and then put it in my fridge when I got back. And it was awesome. So I didn't have to buy a 20 ounce. I would drink a lot of Dr. Pepper that day. I see people at my job that have like two liters of Coke and stuff just sitting on their desk and they will crack that open and start knocking it back. And I really that's don't know how people can do that. Like it's not the diet stuff either. So that's a whole fucking I will say I lost a ton of weight after like, you know, like a year of not drinking soda. I lost a bunch of weight. And then um, this year on a whim, like a bet to myself uh, in February, I was like, I'm not going to eat any meat for a month. And so I did that. And then I just kind of never went back. Mm. Um, so like I, I still eat seafood. Um, so like I had pasta last night. So it's not like I'm not getting any protein or whatever, but um, I call that pescatarian. I say I'm on a primarily meatless diet, so like I fucked around and ate some pepperoni pizza the other day. Doesn't matter. It's not like it's not like a moral thing or something like that. Yeah. Um, I lost a ton of weight. It's a bunch of weight too in it. Um, I drink too much beer, so I'm like I got to compensate for that in some way. And it's not drink less beer. That's not the option. Yeah. Veganism is absolutely a morality thing. Hi, welcome to Destroy All Children, uh, your number one source for all things Dr Pepper. Uh, I am redacted, and with me is George Brundle, real name, Hi. and yep. uh, Thomas. Oh, to be here. Hi, Thomas is back uh, for a very bad decision we made uh, that we're locked into now. But this will be it. This the second week of the what did you call it? The Bontacular Jamesathon. Yes. Yeah. Didn't want. All right. Yeah. Great. Uh, and we finished all of the Conneries and the Moors, and so now here we are, on to the good ones. Yeah, Timothy yeah. Dalton. That's right, our boy, Timmy D. Yeah, he's a good James Bond, and he That's... stars in two very good movies, and then they decided to stop making James Bonds for a very long time. <laughs> uh, it was, what, five years? It's not that uh, long. Well, I mean, in the, in, at that point, that was pretty long between yeah. James Bond movies. Now that's yeah, been like, cranking them out. yeah, that that's maybe more normal now, where it seems like it takes forever between Daniel Craig movies. But 
Yeah, well, back then it was like, oh, James Bond is gone. Yeah, but now it's because like MGM keeps running out of money. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but the first one of these is the Living. So I always kind of get these flipped around in my head a lot. So Living yeah. Daylights is the first one, and yes. then it's License to Kill. Okay. I, I don't know why I do that, but Living Daylights uh, is my favorite of these two. Uh, this is. I'm trying to like. He stops like an assassin in this thing. Uh, it's a lady assassin. Here's the thing. I just watched this a few days ago. Could not tell you what the plot was in it. Had a good yeah, time watching to, it, but uh, has to get a KGB officer out, and then the lady has a rifle that is her flute. Uh, cello. Right? Well, cello, no, yeah. she just kind of like she is a celloist, and I think she keeps it in her case. But it's not like a it's not an El Mariachi situation. Yeah, Isn't there, there's another like a rifle that's a oh, that's a different movie. I'm thinking of uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of a Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The lady, the lady has the rifle and she's up in the thing at the opera. Yes, and... yeah, and she okay. like assembles it like from the flute or whatever. Yeah, yeah. um, man, I like yeah. a good rifle assembly scene in movies. Oh, sure. In fact, uh, in that early part, uh, Dalton Bond is using the WA two thousand, which uh, I know as being associated with Agent Forty Seven. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the plot of this. Uh, Yes, she she's a uh, well, she's not KGB, is she? She's just like Russian. She is like um she's been like conscripted by the KGB because they're killing all the spies. Yeah, but it was like it was a like ruse cuz they just gave her blanks, which she apparently never noticed. That's, that's right. And they, also yeah. were they like testing her loyalty or something? I think it was just supposed to make him look like he was dead. Uh, just like Bond does later, where he like fakes the assassination. But yeah, I I don't I don't know what the plot of this was. There's the Russian stuff. There's Joe Don Baker. Uh, Mujahideen, yeah. Mujahideen uh, freedom fighters. That's right. Yeah, it's dedicated to the guy. brave Mujahideen. Uh Um, I think that this I thought it was also supposed to be about like some sort of illicit arms deal or something like that. Yeah, like, I thought Joe Don Baker was selling guns to the Russians yes. to help yes. in their fight against the Mujahideen. Uh, and like he... that, that was the the bad like. It's the know, real bad, like, bad then. Yeah, like I'm kind of with you that like I really like this movie, but it's a very difficult plot to just kind of like sum up. Like most James Bond movies, it's oh the the bad guy wants to fire a nuke. I don't know. He's got his yeah. boat. Goes fast. Jodan Baker in this movie meant to be like Egyptian or something, because he wears like a like a general's uniform at some point, uh, doesn't he? Well, yeah, he's. I thought he was a U.S. general. Yeah, I took it as him being U.S. general selling okay. arms to the Russians or something like that. But see, he is. I'm looking at the wiki right now. An American arms dealer and self-styled general. So he oh. is not an uh, okay. Well, all right, that explains it because, like, at the end, he's like doing those like war games with the miniatures and stuff. So he just like figures that he's a general, I guess. Just like a character, a nut who thought he was Napoleon. That's what Joe Don Baker said. That's right. Um, also, this movie, it turns out a lot of video games stole things from it. Uh, specifically, the bit at the end where they're like hanging out of the plane on the netting. Uh, Uncharted yep. 3 just ripped that off completely. I was hoping that you would notice that. Yeah. Like, uh, I saw this movie after playing Uncharted 3, and then when that came up, it just kind of clicked to me like, 
oh, okay, they just stole yeah. this whole cloth. Or yeah. that out. Yeah. And um, the gun Joe Don Baker has at the end is uh, basically the same thing Blackbeard has in Rainbow Six Siege. Just a gun with a shield on top for no real reason. Oh, right. Yeah. My screenwriting teacher used to say that um, screenwriting is theft. Like that's what you do is you just steal things that you've liked from other from other movies. Um, so video games they can be theft too. Oh sure. Oh, video games are rife with theft. Yeah, that's right. Especially Japanese ones. They don't care. <laughs> no. In fact, uh, I I had mentioned um, I was talking to George over the phone after watching this and. Um, I choose to believe that uh, the author of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Hirohiko Araki, had seen this movie and then decided to make his bad guy dress up as a milkman in one part. Oh, yeah, the exploding milk scene is so good. Yes, it is. That's <laughs> great. Just they're chucking milks. Yeah. Uh, this movie also has a skiing segment in it, which is... Well, it's, up. it's a yes, sledding no. segment. Yes. So, yeah, it counts. I mean, it's definitely like that. Yeah, the bad guys are skiing. Yeah, don't they like uh, use the cello case to yes. kind of like slide down the mountain? Okay, as a sled. Yeah, and then her um, her uh, uh what what is the name? The kind of cello that it is, the fancy oh, one. Yeah, it's got like a various uh, like Stradivarius or something. or something. Stradivarius. Yeah, and it gets shot while they're going down the mountain. Um, uh, yeah, tragic. Oh, this is he a... using it as like a rudder or something like that. Uh, I th I think he holds it up like to block bullets, yeah. or something. Awesome. This also has a really good opening sequence too, with like a sort of uh, training exercise that then becomes real man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, and then James like uh, crash landing on that girl's yacht and taking her phone <laughs> to call yeah. for help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she just like shows up with martinis. I think he's just like, actually, you should make that fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. I need extra time for the boning. She's wild for me. But not that much extra time. I'm going to, like, in and out of here real fast. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you got to put in yeah. some work, and then you got to get back to finding out who killed your friend. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, very good James Bond movie. Yes, I agree. Finally, after, like, what? 13, 14 movies up so to this many. point. God, it's so many. Um, I, yeah. I like some of the Conneries generally, or genuinely. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Roger Moore is, uh, boy, it's a slog getting through those. There is not a single Roger Moore movie I would say is like actually good. Worthwhile. There's, there's, there's bits, there's brief moments where I'm like, oh, this is fine, or this is enjoyable for all the wrong reasons, but they're not one of those is like, there's no From Russia with Love out of the Roar movies. More movies, rather. My mouth yeah. is dried out because I'm drinking nothing but coffee. I uh, <laughs> have no I, water. I will say that my brain is so poisoned by the internet um, that in the bit where they're in, like, a, I guess it's Carnival, and the milkman assassin is sort of like running around with a balloon and there's a part where dalton is chasing him and the balloons are poking up from beyond the hedges i was just thinking i need to edit this into that scene from joker <laughs> i thought that'd be really good that's that it that, good. that's my input thank you no that would be good license to kill 
Yeah, this is a uh, look. There's only two Dalton movies, and I'm going to have to pick the best one and the worst one, and this is probably the best one. I thought you just said Living Daylight was the best one. Yeah, I, I know. I did. like. Well, you know what? They're all best to me. <laughs> okay. I love the Dalton movies. They are my favorite era of James Bond. Um, yeah, yeah, Living Daylight is still extremely good, though. This is uh, we had talked about it a bit on the last episode, uh, but this is entirely like a. It's it's a James Bond goes rogue for about the hundredth time in this series. Not yeah. like this time he's doing some real grisly murders because he is fucking mad. They ate Felix's legs. Yeah, on yeah, the day of his right. wedding. That's right. This is yet another uh, yet another shark bad guy movie. Bad guy with shark movie. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, also a first for James Bond in that he's not going up against like some sort of um, you know spy or dude who's like hijacking nukes and stuff. Like it's just a drug dealer. Yeah, yeah. like just... a really good drug dealer. You oh, know, sure. the yeah. great Robert Davi. You know, he he's got he's got good operation. He's got Wayne Newton there to launder money for him or whatever it is he's doing. Yeah, he's got the lizard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the iguana he's got, he's got diamonds. Most importantly, most importantly, Benicio del Toro. Uh-huh. Exactly. He's Don't got anything these days. That's right. When I saw Benicio del Toro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait a minute. Also, the one lady uh, is Katana from the Mortal Kombat movies. So there's that. Oh man, nice. Did not notice her. Yeah, yeah, she's that... like the main one. That well. The other, not the short-haired. Well, she also has short hair, but you know, the other one. Yeah. Oh yeah, th- this is a uh, James Bond just fucking dudes up for a solid two hours. Like, there's a bit of um, oh god, what is it? Which samurai movie am I thinking of? It's uh, I don't know. Sanjuro. Not Sanjuro. What's the other one? Yojimbo. Jimbo. Yojimbo, yes. There is some like shades of Yojimbo in this thing with James Bond just like playing both sides of this. Like he just kind of sneaks in and acts as the drug dealer's advisor for a bit, but is actually I, yeah. working against him. Yeah. Did, yeah. Did, didn't the drug dealer know it though? I feel like he knew it. He did. He like he pieced it together fairly quickly and then was kind of like well, playing mm... James Bond at the same time that James Bond was trying to play him. No, he uh, doesn't know it because like uh He's in there, like he's taking a tour of the facility, and then Benicio del Toro like notices him and is like, "Hey, wait a second, I know him," because he was at that bar. Oh, wait, right. yeah, right, right, yeah. Never mind, I forget about that. But uh, yeah, like the, there's that sort of angle from Yojimbo is in this thing, uh, which I appreciate a whole lot because I yeah. think that's also something that James Bond has never really done is actually having him like infiltrate an organization and generally like, just have fuck around with it like i don't know yeah spy, secret agent know? yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah like james like it's okay it's old hat to say at this point james bond is a very bad spy any spy oh, who's sure. constantly telling people his real name all the time <laughs> is a bad <laughs> spy people, people recognize him they're like is that it's james bond he's coming to get us and it's yeah. like wait it's like any bad guy knows like oh i know james bond exactly yeah. you're bad <laughs> at this let me just order my signature drink while screaming my name. Yeah, it's it's almost like Ethan Hunt, who uh, has masks that can make him look and sound like anybody, uh, and yet he still looks like Tom Cruise a lot of the time. Yeah. Primarily looks like Ethan Hunt, and again, is one that people know who he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, generally. 
Look, Ethan Hunt's not going to put a mask on for you or for anybody. Respect his freedoms. Mask I off. I feel like, uh, and again, this is not about um, this is not about James Bond, but I marathoned all the Mission Impossible movies right after James Bond, so they're in my head. Um, there's a scene in Mission Impossible Fallout where he's supposed to get a mask, and then like they can't get the mask because the guy gets his face blown off. So he just like goes in as Tom Cruise and like hopes they don't know yeah, what the other yeah. guy looks like. I was watching that. I'm like, I wish you want to bet Tom Cruise is like, I'm not covering up my face in this movie. Like I'm going to be Tom Cruise the whole movie. I want people to see me. They're like, ah, well, we got to write a scene now. There's a reason why he can't steal the guy's face. Look, man, he hung off that plane for real. Just let him do a movie where he doesn't have to put a mask on. He is amazing in all those stunts, and Mission Impossible is way better than yeah. that whole series. Is way better than basically any. I, that stuff movie. still bugs me to it. Like, it's very impressive that he did all of his own stunts, but like actually doing that on a movie set is super fucking inconsiderate towards everybody. Like, yeah. if your primary actor gets hurt doing that, you create a lot of problems. The stunt guy gets hit or hurt or something, like, still not great, but also it doesn't disrupt production in the same way, you know? A little bit, but also that's kind of what those movies are, and so... Yeah. Mm. That's fair. But, I, like, I'm talking more generally, too. Like, there are plenty of other actors uh, who try doing that stuff where it's less, like, part of that series or that movie. Uh, well, yeah, like, speaking of Bond... Like, Daniel Craig probably should stop trying to do stunts because he keeps getting injured and delaying production several months. Yep. Tom yeah, Cruise, whatever. as far as I know, has not gotten injured doing any of the stuff. Jinx kind of... Tom Cruise like that. Better knock on wood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He gets his license to kill revoked. That's right. Turn in right, your you badge and your gun, James Bond. Uh -huh. kill people anymore you don't have the license to do it that's why he doesn't kill anyone else after that happens in the movie <laughs> exactly he couldn't do it like like what's he gonna do Lost break the license. rules i yeah, can't do it it'd be like driving without a license yeah he just re reaches for his gun and goes oh that's right <laughs> do it to tie everybody up instead all the bad guys uh there's a uh... police office there's uh, some good bits I did want to bring up in this movie, though, like shoving that guy in the de depressurization chamber and oh. fucking blowing him up. Yeah, pops him like a gremlin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is also that... God, he's like... um. Like a spiritual a spiritualist, like self help guy that's just like at the compound that's like making the drugs for some. Like I never figured out what the deal with that yeah, was. That's like, Wayne they, Newton. Like, that's what I was saying. He's like yeah. he's laundering his money or like acting as an intermediary okay. or something. It's been a few years since I've seen this movie, and like I'm actually thinking tonight I might go back and rewatch. It, well, all of these it, it's like he's like a televangelist. And I yeah. think like people are calling in to do pledges, and that's like code for how much cocaine they want. Oh right, yeah. You know that's um, there's a true story about that. I don't know if you know anything about like, um, like Miami bass music and um, uh, oh shoot, I can't remember. Uncle Luke, you know Uncle Luke, mm, two live uh... crew. Okay, so there's Miami bass music is two live crews, like the big, the big one, right? Right. Or, there was a pirate radio station because they weren't allowed. All this stuff was considered obscene. Yeah. So they weren't, they didn't play it on the radio. So there was a pirate radio station and um, music and stuff like that. But he was also selling drugs. 
he, he used to have people call in and like they were trying to be discreet stuff like that um but then like eventually people would just call up and he he would like say it on the radio he's like who needs to buy something and then they would like <laughs> come by and, and so like it started discreet like that right where they'd be like you know they would have some code or whatever and then eventually it just wasn't it was like everybody bought from me man like the cops bought from me nobody was worried about anything and then he eventually like he pissed the wrong person off and they rolled him and he got arrested but um for a long time they actually and i think they busted him because of the pirate radio station and then like you know what i mean like yeah. they caught uh um oh my gosh my brain is just off this morning al capone they caught al capone for tax evasion oh, sure right so they, yeah. they caught him for the pirate radio station not for uh for stepping <laughs> of course anyway uh, that just reminded yeah. me of that there's a uh, two other bits in this movie i wanted to, to bring up too uh, i briefly mentioned Benicio del Toro, they'll print anything these days. Uh, they shove that dude into a printing press, and it is grisly. No, that's Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, you're thinking of... Uh, he pushed him into, like, a shredder. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, I forgot that that is Tomorrow Never Dies. A movie that I, like, retained that one thing from and nothing else because Tomorrow Never Dies, not good. Well, we'll see right. when we get there. Get there. Um, but there's also like I think the whole like in like the final sequence in this thing of like the chase that they're doing on that truck and it getting like flipped off the road and then James Bond uses Felix's lighter. Oh but man, I just, I just got it. Uh... <laughs> oh shit! This is my ash my ash ketchum moment where it all clicked together. Your Miles uh, Kales Prower. Yeah. That took me a long time to figure out, too. I'm not proud to admit. Uh, but yes, just torches this guy. Blows him up, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, he, he, like, gets uh, yeah. gets some of the, I don't know, dust or whatever on him. And so he, yeah, he, he does kind of get, up. like, really napalmed up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that end part, like, there's that bit where Bond is, like, um... Notably, he doesn't have like an Aston Martin or a BMW or anything of this. He just drives like a sixteen-wheeler around, and he just yeah. puts it up on one side. And they try to launch a rocket at it and miss because they're good <laughs> at their jobs. Uh, well, licensed kill, really, really good movie. Good movie. Yeah, I both. I think both Daltons are really good. Um. He he gets into that sort of, especially in this one. Obviously, he gets into that sort of grittier bond that you that you see a lot more of with Daniel Craig, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting going into Brosnan, uh, where that drastically changes. So yeah. the weird thing to me was uh, that I thought they had brought in new directors or writers for the Dalton Bonds, but no, they're the same people that were doing the Roger Moore ones, and I don't know how that happened. So I was talking to you about this over the phone, and the theory that I had was, I think they understood that, like, okay, the Roger Moore era is its own thing, and that we need to kind of reinvent Bond as we bring in a new actor to play Bond. Uh, but I also think it probably had something to do with the fact that, like, View to a Kill was not well-received at all. And uh, I, I mean, I remember, but I want to say, like, Octopussy was not very well-received for that matter. I mean, I understand, like, why they did it, why they changed direction. I'm saying, like, I didn't think those people would have it in them do to it. do it, yeah. Sure, yeah, like, I... why Why did they make a good movie prior to this? Yeah. Because <laughs> Roger Moore was incapable of actually acting in a good movie, that's why. 
<laughs> well, so did you kind of like trace that back far enough and find out like, okay, when did that writing team start within the Moore era? Like, were they there from the start, or was this like they came no. in a few movies deep? They came in a few movies later. I so believe I think, like, by that point, then then maybe like the Roger Moore era was like well defined enough that they knew what kind of movies they had to make. Yeah, it could be because yeah, I I think. They didn't do the spy who loved me. I don't think they did the early one, the the weird racist ones. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I believe it might have been Fear Eyes Only was the first one they did. That would make sense because Fear for Your Eyes Only is like the moment where those more movies kind of seem like they have a bit of a tonal shift. Okay. To me, at least, like it, for Your Eyes Only doesn't feel as campy as the ones that came just prior to it. Also, like wasn't. Moonraker come between that and this yeah Moonraker was the one right before that so it would make sense too that maybe they would I don't know want to change the writers or something I don't, I don't know I, I feel like they did do Moonraker I'm not mm. I'm not really sure mm. I'm not going to do the research on this now too late yeah. Look, point is they wrote a lot of bad James Bond movies and then finally they wrote a couple of good ones so yeah. that's nice uh, did they also write Goldeneye? No. New crew. That's, to everybody. That's, that's not, uh, not based on a book either. Right. Nope. Uh, named after Fleming's estate, if I remember right, where he wrote most of the books. Yeah. What a freak. Yeah. yeah. Yes, actually, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a little weird to me because Goldeneye very much feels like a continuation of the Dalton movies, like in the sense that this seems like it was meant for Dalton and not Brosnan. It's much more, um, much more serious, I think, than the other Brosnan movies. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I'll say it. Goldeneye is my favorite James Bond movie. Um, huh. I think. It's really well, it's really good, but I think it's largely because it was the first James Bond movie I ever saw. Yes. Um, and so, like to me. Originally, Pierce Brosnan's the only James Bond. Right. I've uh, always been of the opinion that Brosnan is a very good James Bond. It's just that his movies... Uh... He's in some bad ones. Yeah. Uh, Post-Goldeneye. I mean, Goldeneye is... I think it's it walks that line really well where, like, Pierce Brosnan's a really sort of suave dude. Um, and he's good at, um, at, like, those interactions, right? Wearing a, wearing a tuxedo and... Um, being in a fancy, you know, casino or whatever else, um, but he's looks tough enough that he can. I believe him. He's like punching somebody out. Right. I, yeah. I, while they're taking a crap. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the main thing I was struck by when I was watching this recently was uh, the action scenes. Like he is moving in him. Like he's just running through hallways, spraying machine guns at people. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. When, he, when he fights, uh, what's her name in the Russian bath or whatever? That's uh -huh. a good fight. Yeah. So what was the what was the name of the show that Brosnan was doing before this? It was Remington Steel, yep. I want to say. Well, so yeah. the, the as the story goes, they wanted Dalton or they wanted uh, Brosnan rather for the Dalton movies, but because of his uh, contract doing Remington still, like he was unavailable to do it. So they ended up going with Dalton as their second choice. And so when he finally was released from that contract, they dumped Dalton and immediately went over to Pierce Brosnan. He was the one they wanted to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, there's a weird, uh, weird Pierce Brosnan contractual thing with James Bond actually, which is um, 
that he was contractually obligated not to wear a tuxedo in any other movie. Um, like that was a thing that was in his oh. contract is you are not allowed to wear a tuxedo in any other movie. Um, which is why apparently in the Thomas crown affair, he wears this incredibly stupid looking suit. to like a, like a black tie thing, yeah. um, because he was contractually obligated. You're not allowed to wear a tuxedo because you're James Bond. I yeah. want people to confuse you as James Bond in these other movies. That's weird. Yeah, like, it is super weird. I mean, the, kind of makes sense a little bit, but also, uh, the other thing about Goldeneye, I'll say though, is it is kind of this weird mix of like, at times it is grimmer than anything in the Dalton Bonds, but then it also just has some really weird campy moments in it. Yeah. Uh, like that bit Old at the beginning. Ball. Well, yeah, sure, like Xenia, but yeah. Um, the bit at the beginning where he's doing the driving test and that lady with him is like, oh, 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 I love he, it. uh, it's so Moneypenny. weird. No, it's not Money Penny. That's not Money Penny. Oh, it's not. Okay. No, because he, like, he not. never gets with he never gets with Money Penny. It's some other Money Penny ish looking okay. woman. Money yeah. Penny is like not in the Brosnan ones, I think, much at all. So I probably just thought that was her. She's in yeah, a, like she's as in much as yeah. I was gonna say as much as any other one, really. She usually yeah. gets one scene where they're just like, "Oh, ho, ho, James Bond, you're not going to have sex with me," and he's like, "Oh, ho, ho, yes, there. I will someday." And that's it. I remember her showing up during one of like the Q branch stuff. Uh, not was it this one or was it the one after that? I can't remember. Uh, I, I think it's like never... after. I think it's in Tomorrow Never Dies is the scene that I'm thinking of because I think she's like looking into the whole newspaper thing while he's getting his equipment. Uh, that would. Be... Nah, no. Whatever. It he does will... some stuff in the other movies where she helps him out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, in fact, try. speak of that, we didn't mention Licensed Kill features Q as a field agent, and that's fun. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. He, they just say that it's like James Bond's grandpa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like it's it's his uncle or something, I think. Yeah. But yeah, they just have him dressing up in costumes. And Living Daylights has one of the best um Q branch segments where he just has a boombox that's a rocket launcher and Q says it's a ghetto blaster. <laughs> I love it. What the Americans call. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um Yeah, so Goldeneye was also my first James Bond. Uh hmm. Actually, no, no, it wasn't on. Never mind. I take that back. So the thing is, I really wanted to see Goldeneye uh, back when it came out because obviously it got a lot of like play and TV advertisements, and I had friends who were going to see it, and I was aware that there was a game coming out for it. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was really excited for it, but uh, by the time that like it was on video and we were able to rent it, obviously it was getting completely rented out by people who wanted to watch it because uh, it was huge uh, in the mid '90s. So instead. My mom decided, well, you know, if you want to get into James Bond, maybe we can watch one of the other James Bonds. So my first was A View to a Kill. <laughs> okay. Oh. Yeah. This explains uh, a lot. Yeah. You um, get to see the one, the awesome one, where they, like, immediately blow up and murder a bunch of people while Fomka uh, um, Jansen has a, straight up has an orgasm while murdering people. <laughs> Nope, I gotta watch the one where Roger Moore tries to have sex with Viola Davis. <laughs> Viola Davis? Wait, no, not Viola Davis. Who plays Mayday? Help me out. Grace Jones. Grace, Grace Jones, Jones, yeah. I'm also very tired today. My brain is not Apparently functioning. so. 
uh, uh, I woke up like probably 20 minutes before doing this podcast. Like, I would say like a lot of people our age, uh, I played the video game before I ever saw the movie. Yeah. Um, and so even when rewatching it here, like, I had not seen it in a long time, and I am more familiar with the game than the movie. And so it was just like, oh, yeah, this is that part. Here, Here's archives. Here's the bit. That's the room where you have to protect Natalia as she hacks and recognizing the the levels from the game as you yeah. watch the movie. Yeah, um, just starts to trigger like PTSD in me of going through that game in like double O agent mode, having Natalia during that whole. Thing. Oh god! And also like seeing the weird differences from the game too. Like in the game, you go into the bunker at Severnaya, and that never happens in the movie. Bond yeah. never goes there. No, it gets blown up. Yeah. Also, completely changing like the yacht section where they steal that hell that helicopter, which is like a um, they're doing like a ceremony to reveal it in the movie, and James Bond kind of shows up and finds out that they have killed the uh, they killed the pilot, right? Mm -hmm. So they yeah, and then replace the pilot with the two of them. Yeah, Yeah, and then like in the game, you're going through a boat that seems like a lot more uh, utilitarian. Yeah, it's like a military. Yeah, like the outside of the boat like looks a bit more luxurious than the interior sections of that thing was so it's this weird balance of sort of making this look a little bit like the yacht but then also it's like a military ship instead uh so yeah they 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 tried to stretch as much as they could out of that movie to turn it into a game actually i really like um that whole sequence i think is really cool just because like um obviously it was a good plan right bad guys just immediately got away with it um, and I love all the people clapping as it flies away. Like they're totally unaware. <laughs> yeah. It's been stolen. It's not coming back, y'all. Um, yeah. And James Bond, like getting stopped and like held back by security because he's just acting like a crazy person, like running out trying to stop it. They have no idea who he is. Yeah. He um, maybe should have said that his name was James Bond. Should have. And they all would have been like, oh, of course, James Bond, the secret agent. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, you're trying to save the day. I'm sorry. Uh, this movie also deals with the fact that the Cold War has ended. Uh, this, of course, being the first James Bond movie to uh, come out yeah. since the Cold War wrapped up. Uh, and so they, like, I think Judy Dench has a line about that, uh, calling Brosnan like a dinosaur of the Cold War yeah. era, which is funny considering here's Brosnan, pretty young at that point in time. Yeah. Well, uh, she's also just kind of saying, like, the concept of James Bond is kind of a relic yeah. in general. Yeah. Yes, it's it's very much a like a meta commentary at that point. But it, if you just think of it as her talking to this character, it feels a little bit weird to call yeah. young Brosnan that. Uh, Alan Cumming is in this movie as Boris. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, I think really, I he bothers me so much. He's like, invincible. He cannot he literally cannot die. They're going to thaw him out in he one of the future it. movies. Just you wait. I think maybe just the character is designed to be annoying right like the character oh, yeah. is an annoying person um and so every time i see him on screen yeah it, it they very much were leaning into the uh hacker tropes of the mid 90s with him uh which basically boils down to gigantic pervert also uh-huh. dressed as very quirky yeah. like how he has a, a little just like um a dude in Jurassic Park, he has like a silly cartoon avatar of himself that pops up. Yep. You've been hacking. Yeah, like, yeah. the hacked. password is knockers. Yeah, put the put the golden eye key inside the bottle of Barbasol. 
That's right. Uh, and then, uh, of course, the villain, Alec Trevelyan. Hell yeah. One of the all-time great Bond villains. A Cossack. You can't trust him. That's right. Yeah, right. But he didn't I tell no you. I had no idea what that meant and like how serious the guy takes it. Like the Russian takes it so seriously. He's like, is that true? Yeah. You a Cossack. Um, I had no idea what that meant. I had to like, I mean, even recently, like had to look into it. Like what is yeah. the whole background here? Like James Bond can just say that to this Russian dude. The guy like really gets messed up about it. Like, I, oh, I can't trust you because of this. I mean, in the movie, yeah. they do like give a quick sort of synopsis of it, but the, it's kind of yeah. just tossed off. Yeah. In a weird way. Uh, I do love the uh, when he finds out that um that it is a Trevelyan, like this weird Soviet broken down statue yard. Yeah. Statue graveyard. It's a really, really cool set. And then I also like the ultimate payoff with that helicopter is all right, we don't need this anymore. Put him in it and make it self destruct. Uh-huh. Yeah, blow him up. Yeah. Um Yeah, uh, we have talked about it too, Zenya on a top. Yeah, like legitimately, I think one of my favorite uh, Bond henchmen because she is just so fucking unhinged in this thing. Like, yeah, you having know, orgasms, laughing about it, and murdering people all at the same time. I, I, I wish she had a better death though, because that one it's kind of anticlimactic. Totally busts while she's getting murdered though. Like, well, that's, yeah, <laughs> that, that's what counts, right? Is that yeah. she actually gets off on her own death as well. Yeah. That's how you know she's yeah. She's not faking it. Yeah, look, she died the way she lived. That's right. Crushing things. This case, her spine. Uh Yeah. Um. I I really like her as a villain villain as well. Um. On a top is uh funny enough to be like, oh, this is a James Bond double entendre, whatever. But it's not. Oh, pussy galore. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. They they were going for a very specific type of reference with naming her character, and then I kind of feel like them leaning into the sexual aspect of everything is maybe kind of a tongue-in-cheek commentary on that stuff at the same time. Sure, I could see that. Like, like yeah, man, hey, a lot of James Bond uh, ladies, they got names that are very inappropriate, and they kind of just exist in these movies to have sex with James Bond. What if we just had a character with an inappropriate name like that, and she just uses sex to kill constantly? To murder people. Whole yeah. scene with them fighting in like the the Russian bath thing is a really good fight. Oh yeah. Um, Chris Brosnan manages to keep his towel on the whole time, as I recall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Pierce Brosnan's dong. It's yes. right. It's so powerful. It's like wrapped the towel around it. Um, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a cool scene, right? And then he he yeah. pops up and you know, gets the gun and no 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 more foreplay and. Mm-hmm. Good line. It's a good James Bond line, and then she she yells a word that I imagine is Russian, but sounds like she says biatch. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. what? like, why does she? I'm sure it's like a Russian word. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't speak Russian, and that's what it sounds like to me. Uh, I really like the final setting, like the the like satellite tower that they yeah. find dangling precariously above this like half domed pit, uh-huh. uh, and then. When they drop Alec off of there, like a lot of movies would just have that shot of like the villain falling into Yes. You know, they fucking show him hit the ground, man. Oh, I was gonna oh, and say then they like show the stab him. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Like with with Xenia's death, I was kinda like, eh. But Alec it 
Most movies would just drop him off and be done. Here, they drop him off and then crash the entire like satellite dish thing on top of him. Yeah, it's great. It's really good. The thing goes. Yeah, and then that, uh, and I was going to say the uh, the for England James no for me is one of the best like your deadlines in yeah. all of movies. It's yeah. really good. Yeah, I like uh, Natalia a lot in this too. Uh, yeah. I think all the characters in this movie are fantastic. Uh, I'm glad that they brought Joe Don Baker back, even though literally in the previous movie he played the main villain. Well, or, no, two, not, movies not, not previous, two movies yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, it was a couple but, movies ago. I prefaced this podcast with I somehow get those flipped around all the time, yeah. so it was bound to happen. They they couldn't bring Felix Leiter back because Felix yeah. Leiter had his legs chewed off by a shark. They had to come up with a new CIA agent who was Jodan Baker. Yeah. yeah, so that's uh that's something else about this movie that I think is interesting is in like they, they don't often reference James Bonds as being like prior James Bonds's, you know, like the, the only other time we had that was when Roger Moore showed up at the grave of his wife. And that or, was um, what's his name? George Lazenby made a couple. Oh yeah. sure. He looked directly into the camera and said it, to be fair. In the in one of the Dalton ones, I think it's in the Living Daylights. They do say like um, he used to be married a long time ago. Yeah, that's what you say. He visited right. the visited the grave of his wife, right? Okay. Uh, that, that's just like when he's driving away. I think like the one of the ladies is like, "Oh, what's his, what's his deal?" And he used to be married. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, so I'm of my James Bond head canon is that it's a new James Bond every time they change the actor. That James Bond is just this kind of field name that they give to people. No, no. no. Like, make fun of that, that in, the, in the David Niven Casino Royale. They make cracks jokes about that. It's the same dude. Yes, no, it's not. I know that it's not actually the case. I'm saying that that is what I want it to be. Like, that is what makes me more comfortable with them constantly changing the actors instead of trying to piece together, like, all right, how come James Bond was doing all this stuff back in the 60s, but he's Pierce Brosnan now, and he's, like, 40 years old? George, I, I you... think it's, a, like, a reset, right? So, like, yeah. it's, these are stories about this character, um, and it's irrelevant what happened previously. Right? Hey, I guess, and they have that connected tissue there where they talk yeah. about his life and everything. So, like, they, they're still trying to, like, string them all together for a while. Until, like, Craig, where it is very much, like, a reset on everything. Hey, quick question. Um, how is it that Batman was Batman in the 1940s and also <laughs> Batman in the 1960s and 80s? I mean, there's Batmans. No. There's, there's one Batman. There different continuities of Batmans. It's the same thing. It's Roll, the, rolling no, timeline. Nope. Shut up, Grant Morrison. <laughs> it's all hyper time. Look, actually, that makes more sense if you're doing some sort of Grant Morrison-esque, like, yeah, we're accepting everything, but we're also going to get real weird about how time works. But movies, like, they're different continuities. Um, None of that matters. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't matter in the end. Like, whatever. But, like, I've I've always been a fan of the idea that James Bond is just, like, a call sign that MI6 uses. Like, I, I like that more, but whatever. I'm going to send you all a, send you all a picture real quick, and this is on the a wiki page for Goldeneye as Pierce Brosnan as Bond, and I'm just going to send it over to you real quick. Okay. Okay, great. Here we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know why that's the choice. That's him. Um, all right. So we found our, there he is. found our thumbnail. Yep. He's <laughs> <laughs> having a great uh, time. Having a great time uh, making the James Bond movie. That's all. Uh, sure. 
Yeah, I mean, Craig's just having a blast from what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. He loves doing those things. Yes, you know you're having a good time making a movie when you say things like, I would rather cut my wrist than come back to work again. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make another James Bond. I love playing this character. Uh -huh. Anyway, I tried to commit suicide yesterday. Um, yeah, Goldeneye is a, an extremely good James Bond movie, uh, and it is unfathomable to me that they followed it up with Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. Uh, I... Tomorrow Never Dies is boring. It's pretty good. Mm, it's fine. You're, you're I, I guess I'll, I'll go with fine. Say that again, Thomas. I didn't hear you. This is sorry. This is the one with um, the with the uh, journalist. Is that this one? Um, yeah. No, this is um. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Jonathan Price. Yeah. Um, newspaper is tomorrow. Never done. This this one has Michelle Yeoh like jumping through the air, shooting two MP5s, and at one point she goes, "Yeah!" before shooting a computer terminal. So. <laughs> I mean, that is a good point. That is a solid argument for this movie. It's uh, it's all right. They do have that bit where they jump out of that uh, skyscraper and they just rip down the middle. Yeah, hang down the side of the thing. Yeah, yeah that's cool. That, that is a, a pretty good bit. Yeah. Uh, the villain's uh, main base at the end of this thing is another submarine, which reminded <laughs> me of The Spy Who Loves Me. Stealth uh, boat, they say. Oh, right. Yeah. So his whole thing is that it's a stealth stealth boat going around, and that he's some sort of media mogul, right? And that this is his, for whatever reason, he wants to start a war. Yes, he wants to start a war to sell more newspapers because if he can basically well, like, and he's been kind of doing this for a while. Like they say that he's sort of orchestrating different world events so he yeah. can make paper more marketable. Uh, if he has control over the news, uh, then he can also be the first to report on it. Yeah, well, in this, he specifically says also it is so he will have exclusive broadcast rights in China for a hundred years. Yes. <laughs> Which, uh -huh. all right. That's, you know, this is important. You know, he needs broadcast rights to just gotta <laughs> murder a lot of people. Well, you know, gotta break a few eggs. Doesn't he have, like, a henchman in this thing that's, like, a really buff German guy who wears, like, one of those sort of, like, tight-fitting striped shirts? Yes. Yeah, That's he's, like right, a, he's like a sailor guy. Yeah. Maybe this movie's good, actually. He's kind of like the Russian from The Punisher, but not Kevin Nash. He's not quite that big. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't. There, there were just, for me, there's long stretches of this movie that I just did not find like particularly interesting. But there are some like good bits, like the where they jump out of the skyscraper. And I do like them, uh, like the whole final bit where they're fighting in the submarine is pretty good i watched this they're... this morning about uh 20 minutes before we started recording and i had an all right time with it mm. this is also they'll print anything these days is it not yes yeah which that so i have not seen this since it came out i remember that scene being much more gruesome than it actually is like i remembered it well, as being like the guy getting like crushed and everything like rolls a printer like the paper with blood on it or something it's more like he just sort of gets dumped into a pit and some paper flies yeah. over him and it it doesn't even really look like blood it just looks like kind of like pink spray paint on it or something it's weird or maybe you're getting it confused like i did with license to kill yeah where it, 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 it might be i might have seen that at a young age and confused yeah. them or something yeah, because uh, that Benicio del Toro's death in that thing is very much like it's a lot more like what you're describing. Oh yeah, 
uh, Zareel put Steve Buscemi in the wood chipper bit in that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> James Bond is pulling out a log to shove Benicio Del Toro's foot into the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, this is like the, I think that the Brosnan movies get progressively worse. And so like this yes. is, it's like the second best one, but compared to GoldenEye, which felt like, it moved at a pretty fast pace and the action sequences were very visceral and very good. Like it, it, something about this one just felt a lot more slow and plotting and not necessarily as like, I don't know, the, the action sequences weren't as dynamic to me or as, as real as they yeah, were. I also think, um, you know, GoldenEye's plot is much more um, serious, I guess. Whereas this is, it's corny, right? Like yeah. what you want to do is super corny um, and it's he's a good villain in that like he chews scenery, but he's not a good villain, yeah. right? Yeah. Like by by comparison, especially to um, Tom Bean, right? Trevelyan is is a fantastic villain, um, and so then yeah, getting yeah, you know, burned up face and all that stuff. Um, so like going from that to this feels like um, feels like a big shift. What yeah. about the quick appearance from Vincent Chiavelli? Who is just like there, like I'm gonna shoot you and make it look like a suicide. That whole that thing. Is pretty good. That is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. There's the bit where the helicopter is like chasing them through the streets, and somehow they have it like two feet from the ground, tilted forward, moving very slowly towards them. I. I'm going to ask you something, and this is maybe a dumb question, because uh, you guys have seen all the Mission Impossible movies, and this is just sort of the vibe I get from having not really seen a whole lot of those, but having seen Tomorrow Never Dies a few times. Did it seem like they were maybe trying to, like, do a Mission Impossible with this movie? Kind of ape that a little bit. Yeah. Maybe. Um... There's something about the vibe of this thing that reminds me of the first two Mission Impossibles, but it's also been a very long time, and maybe that sense I'm getting place did the first mission impossible come out was it like 95 yeah i think so um i don't think the second one was out yet because those movies have a lot of time between them. yeah usually five or six years yeah yeah second one was like late 90s wasn't it yeah because that was john woo and boy it looks yeah it was like 99 or 2000 i think Um, it is is definitely an object of that time (laughs) boy from the terrible like metallica and limp Biscuit songs to Tom Cruise's hair. All right, if you had to, if you had to pick a movie that perfectly surmised where film was at in the early aughts, what would it be? Fight Club. Yeah, I was gonna say The Matrix, which I think is technically ninety nine. I but... think Fight Club might actually be like ninety nine. Also, I would still I count know. that as being kind of close enough because the the vibe that movies had at that point in time carried into the early two thousands. Mine would be Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh yeah. That's I it. I don't know if this is a popular opinion. I love the Fast and Furious movies. I think <laughs> uh, I think the first one is the first one is exactly what it sets out to be. Um, there are some really cool action scenes in it. Uh, it is very silly. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And then the second one is fine. The, the second one, one is, he... is amazing as a time capsule of that that period of the movie period, sure. like, yeah and i love it for, like it is absolutely a terrible fucking movie but it is extremely watchable and i am way into it yeah the third one sucks um and i know that's yes yeah. everybody thinks that tokyo drift sucks uh, 
the fourth one I literally don't remember, but like from Fast Five on, they're really good and they're stupid. Yeah. Like God, they're stupid, but they're really fun. Um, and they are exactly what they set out to be. So I like them. Thomas Seven, which I really wish they would have named FF Seven because that would have been good and confusing to me. Uh, Thomas, in our previous podcast, uh, Stand and Deliver, where we were reviewing JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, near the end, they were not putting out episodes of it, um, but we still had a weekly show to do, so one week we just decided to review Furious 7, and that was a good time. No, I haven't seen, is that is that the most recent one? Because I don't, I don't no. think I've seen that one. Uh, I didn't eight. see the one where they, where they go and uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson kicks a nuclear missile. Yeah, that's eight. That's Fate of the Furious. Yeah. That one's pretty good, too. The last one I saw was the one where Paul Walker died, like right after he died. Yeah, that's seven. Okay, cool. Yeah, the ending ending of that thing is pretty depressing, but also kind of good. Except for the fact that Paul Walker's very obviously just like a CG composite thing with somebody Mm -hmm. else's body. Well, yeah. You know, what the Fast and Furious movies do really well is uh, the, the scene at the end where they're all drinking. Can beer together. Yeah, yeah. it's about family. Yeah. Sure, you, you got uh Kurt Russell, and he's just going to pull out a container full of Corona from nowhere. Just reach behind this desk, and here it is. Corona's sitting in ice. Oh, so good. It is. It's a really good gag. <laughs> no more funerals, man. All right. Uh, tomorrow never dies. Got that one in the books. Great. Next yes. up, world is not enough. Don't remember this. I know the theme song is great. From a band I really like, Garbage. Uh huh. It's got hey, this movie's also garbage. Speaking it's, of, it's got Christmas hey. Jones. Listen, I uh, there are a couple parts of the world is not enough that I genuinely like. Okay, uh, yeah, the the very best James Bond line quip. Yes, yeah. I thought Christmas only came once a year. Um, which absolutely should not be in like a PG thirteen movie, <laughs> but it sure is. It's there. It's it's in this movie, and uh, every time. Uh, so I've only seen this movie twice. I saw it, you know, around when it came out, and then um, and then I saw it uh, this this go around when I was rewatching it, uh, and both times I I just laughed. I laughed aloud at that line. It is so good. Uh, Denise Richards also- is terrible in this movie, though. Weren't they also watching him have sex, like, through, uh... They were trying to get, like, some sort of uplink on him, and they saw, like, the heat signatures of their bodies or something like that? Or was that, uh, the next one? <laughs> I have no recollection of that. Okay, Although that, I don't I have much recollection of any of this movie, if I'm honest. Yeah, th- this is, a. Uh... I don't remember much of this at all. The things I remember is that the bad guys have a uh, like a revenge thing going on with Judy Dench. Uh, they want to like kidnap M, and like one of the villains can't feel pain. That's, like there's that, that this one. He's been shot and he's got a bullet in his brain. Yes, and it like completely blocks off all of his pain receptors. And there's like a bit where he's like, I think he picks up like hot coal or something like that, and just holds on to it to sort of prove that you know, he don't he don't feel anything. Uh, but I don't remember like what their plan ultimately was. Uh, I know that like the actual main villain is some lady who's kind of like orchestrating everything, and then I think the guy who can't feel pain is more of like the henchman, but he's sort of elevated to like a second villain status in this. Trying to get a nuke. Sure. Like, like most of them. 
Yeah. Uh, Look, when you need a James like Bond movie, money. but you don't really have the plot figured out, whatever, it's a nuke. Uh, I'm you just know? reading this right now. Uh, their plan is to launch a nuclear explosion that would destroy Istanbul, sabotaging a Russian oil pipeline, leaving okay. Electra's pipeline, that's the bad guy, as an uncontested right. monopoly. What she wants is that everybody's got to use her oil pipeline. So she's going to nuke Turkey. So that's kind of a hmm. I like how apparently one of the bad guys in this is just like it's like Homer Simpson with the crayon in his brain, but instead of <laughs> making him dumb, it just makes it so he can't feel like pain. Invincible. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's uh, the villain's plot, I guess, kind of like leans a little too close to the previous movie, then, doesn't it? Where it's like, okay, I want a monopoly with my newspaper, and this one, it's I want a monopoly with my oil pipeline. Yeah. yeah. Or, but this time it's a lady. Oh. Oh, Ooh. that's right. Yeah. Uh, I would say, well, we've had like a girl main boss. Villain. Yeah, we've we've had a girl boss like earlier in the series because, uh, oh god, what's her name? Klob, in uh, from Russia with love. Amy like, Klobuchar. Uh, yeah, that's right. Amy Klobuchar is the main <laughs> girl from Russia mm-hmm. with love. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think this is also um, he meets up with that big Russian dude again. Uh, you know, in, in Goldeneye, he meets up with like the Russian arms dealer dude. Yeah, as I recall, he's also in this, and he does he die in this one? Doesn't he get shot in this one? Like depending defending James Bond. I think that he does. That rings a bell. Tragic. Was it was this uh the the, the one that they replaced Desmond Llewellyn with John Cleese, or was that the previous one? I think that's Die it's Another Day. Yeah, he's in. He's in. Okay. Uh, so I remember that bit where like he just like he goes off in a submarine or something like that. Like they lower him into the water. Like didn't one of them have both of them in it actually? Because John Cleese was yes. called like R. Yes, it, they set it up as John Cleese being like uh, an an assistant in the Q branch to Q, and then he takes over when John Cleese uh, got too damn old to still be in movies. I mean Desmond Llewellyn. Desmond Llewellyn. Yes, I'm sorry. John Cleese also at this point probably too old to be in movies. Probably, but I I wish they had kept him longer than they did. Really? I Are you telling me you don't like Baby Q, Larry? Uh not really. No. I like him. I don't like R. Call John. Cleese. Yeah. Q, does that make him R? Sure. No. What was the movie where like James Bond picks up a submarine sandwich? He's like, "Oh, what kind of gun is this?" That's and Goldeneye. Just, he's like, that's my lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Goldeneye. Like, that's a good cue bit. I like. That. Oh yeah, I want to talk about one thing from Goldeneye real quick. The the exploding pin segment where Boris is just like swinging it around his fingers and clicking oh, and it a whole bunch. Uh-huh. Yeah, and like Bond has to, to count it track. out. Yeah, and pick the right time to kick it out of his hand. Man, Goldeneye's so good. What the fuck my... is up with the rest of these movies? <laughs> well, it's my favorite James Bond movie. No joke. Like, I love it. Um, and yeah, that, that scene is fantastic. It's high tension. High tension scene. Yeah, there's zero tension in this James Bond movie because I remember virtually none of it. Doesn't matter. Next one. Here we go. Die Another Day. Things. Another day. Uh, everyone good. remembers this one. Right. Not, not for good reasons. Yeah. Main villain. North Korea. Let's go. <laughs> Ellie Berry is so bad in this movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, they wanted to spin her off into her own series too. Oh no. Yeah, uh, that it's very bad. They were setting her up for that. This was the movie that they wanted to launch like a James Bond like cinematic universe with before mm. that was a thing. Before they uh, saw this movie and went, oh yeah. no. Obviously did not work out. This is uh, kind of commonly agreed to be the worst of the James Bonds. It's, it's pretty much this or Moonraker for a lot of people. And I think that's still unfair to Moonraker, which is a serviceable James Bond movie. There's much worse than Moonraker. Uh, um, I'll be honest. I fell asleep watching this one. <laughs> How? How? I, okay. Uh, Here's the and in the last one, I I mean, I woke up and and I've seen it. Here's here's my thing with this movie is it's bad in the same way Batman and Robin is bad in that like it's sort of still a fascinating movie to watch. It it's such a fucking train wreck that you really cannot look away from just how awful it is. Yeah. Um. Again, Halle Berry's terrible. Uh, There is one Uh, scene in this movie. Um, that I absolutely love, um, which is the bit where he he fences the dude. Yeah, yeah. it is such a good scene. Like it's a legit yeah. board fight. Um, the the and... escalation of that thing is handled very very well. Like the yeah. pacing to that fight is spot on. Yeah, starting out it's like, oh, we're gonna fence. It's gonna be fine. And then dude hits James <laughs> Bond. Right, like he actually strikes James Bond and like yeah. hurts him. Then they decide, like, oh, now we're... Oh, no, James Bond hits him, I think. James Bond gets him yeah. first. And then it, it becomes, okay, the, the first to draw blood wins. And by the end of it, they're just swinging claymores at each other. Yeah. Right. They both lose their little fencing sword, and they've got big swords. Yeah. And it rules. That scene is really good. Um, I think one of the best James Bond, like, fights, um, where it feels very real, and it feels... Yeah. I said it's like you said it's it escalates really well it's paced really well yeah it is amazing that it exists in this movie yeah it sucks um this is the one where he uh surfs on a wave isn't it uh yeah and it's like the cgi on it is really 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 bad it's equivalent to the um roger moore skiing yeah well i think this uh... obviously he's not there this came out in the late 90s, early 2000s, I want to say, uh, right around when CG was still, like, it, it was starting to get a lot more use, but it was still in its, like, baby phase. No, this was, like, 2004, 2005? Are you sure? Because I thought that Casino Royale was, like, 2006. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Casino Royale came out... And they, um, 2002. Oh, okay. Okay. That yeah, you know what, it makes me, what it reminds me of is the um, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, which I think also came yeah. out around the same time. Yeah, it did. Like every that, scene where Peter Parker is not in the Spider-Man suit where he's jumping around looks so reprehensible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Spider-Man, I remember being sometime around 2001 because they had that whole thing with needing to remove the Twin Towers from it. That's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Um. It's a really good way for me to date a movie is whether or not the Twin Towers had to be removed. But yeah, okay, so yeah, Casino Royale was like 2005 then. I just remember it being like pretty quick after Die Another Day for such a reinvention of the franchise. Like they, yeah, they really they, they got the light out. Day and said, okay, guys, we got to do something. Yeah. yeah. We want people to like James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> Make James uh, Bond great again. 
this also has so like the main villain is this North Korean dude who James Bond like fucks up at the start of the movie. So he gets like a bunch of reconstructive surgery to look like a white guy, and then he builds like some sort of ice palace. He does have an ice palace, and this this is the one where James Bond is like tortured by North Korea at the beginning of the movie, right? Yeah, yes. the the it credit is. sequence to this is actually depicting him getting tortured, uh, as opposed to just a lot of abstract stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it has that really bad Madonna song. Boy, does it! Yeah, doesn't she show up in this movie too? I I felt like she did, like during the fencing part, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah. That... I thought she's like the instructor there. Maybe. Mm. That seems right. Wonder if she's doing her fake British accent during that. Probably. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it's just so good. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to tell if you just listened to her. You'd be like, yeah, it's a British lady. Yeah, also, uh, didn't wasn't Michael Madsen in this movie? <laughs> uh, was he? Yeah, he he was like... It was like Halle oh, Berry's boss or something. A guy or something. Yeah. Some, like, I'm it's laughing true. because Larry and I had this conversation where Larry had rewatched Sin City and he talks about like how uh, Michael Madsen is great in that movie. And I had well, a moment where my dumb brain thought it was. Oh, what What did you say? I said he was really bad in that movie. Oh, you said he was. Okay. My, sorry about that. Um, But my brain, like. Something fired off wrong, and I thought that Mads Mikkelsen was in Sin City. <laughs> and, oh, somehow I totally and so I'm laughing because I had that same moment where I was about to be like, no, Larry, that's Casino Royale. <laughs> yeah, no, Michael Madsen has the famous line, you're pushing 50 and you got a bum ticker. And Sin City's good. It's uh, a line, it's a line Michael Madsen can deliver, right? Yeah. Not a lot to pull that off. A bum ticker, I think. That's. Exactly. Uh, so I, I think too that this movie fell on a sort of anniversary moment for James Bond. I can't remember if it was like uh, it had been so many years or if this movie like had some sort of significant number in the series. I think it was like a. I think a it was the twentieth. Got it up. It's the fortieth anniversary. How would it be the twentieth? It's the fortieth anniversary. Yeah. James Bond. No, I meant the twentieth uh, movie. Twentieth movie, but. Oh, but oh, oh. Would also be a weird thing to sort of have like a milestone movie on. You'd you'd want to do yeah, that for like five or something like that, which they uh, they didn't do. Um, but yeah, so like so, I want to say that the way they approached this thing was they wanted it to be kind of a send up to James Bond in general. That is why there is a torture sequence sequence with a laser that is trying to carve up Halle Berry. There is, of course, Halle Berry coming out of the water, uh, very akin to the scene from Doctor No. Uh, but then, like, considering what this movie is, it's like, here's a bunch of references to good bits from James Bond, except they're all shitty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. I'm, I'm now reading about this, um, this spinoff thing. Uh, so they were going to do a spinoff concentrating on Jinx, which is Halle Berry. That's which such was... a bad name, too. Yeah. Jinx? Scheduled scheduled for a no- November, December 04 release. Uh, it was originally reported MGM was keen to set up a film series that would be a quote Winter Olympics alternative to the main series. So, like every, I guess every two years, one would come out. Oh uh, they originally were going to do a spinoff to Michelle Yeoh's character Y Lin in Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, and then they pulled the plug on that to the dismay of Barbara Broccoli. 
furious about the decision. She really wanted that Michelle Yeoh. I mean, that would have been better. Yeah. Did, yeah, or that, just don't do that. Yeah. Didn't Catwoman come out around this time too? I, I was wondering. Movie. Yeah, I was wondering if like Catwoman came out and then like the combination of this movie not doing well and that made them go. How hey, Mary had a lot of bad movies around this period of time. Like so again, it, maybe maybe a controversial opinion. Halle Berry is a bad actress and has always oh, yeah, been a bad actress. I don't think she's yeah. ever good. Yep. She's got an Academy Award though. Somehow. Yeah. For uh for uh uh the one with Billy Bob Thornton. Wasn't yep. she in Swordfish or am yep. I she okay. was and you get to see her boobs in Swordfish, that's what Well, I was about yeah. to say Swordfish was a bad movie, but I take it back now. <laughs> Still a bad movie. Uh very bad movie. Um, uh, what was it? Suspiria? Is that a thing that she was in? What was are you, it? Are you thinking of um, uh, Gothica? Yes, I'm thinking of Gothica. Gothica. That one's real bad. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember hearing very bad things about that movie. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm just remembering a bunch of movies now. What was the thing that like, J-Lo was in where she goes into like the mind of a serial killer? It's like a cow at one point. Like, yeah, that is the cell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't I remember like if that, that was good or bad. It's weird and and sort of creepy because she's inside the mind of a serial killer. Yeah. Um, it's it's cool. I did like a um October. I always do like a horror movie thing where I watch a, a horror movie every day. Um, and uh, I like to watch like the real weird ones, like not slashers, but like real weird ones See, and I, so i watched the cell as a horror movie and it's not really a horror movie it's more like a thriller i guess it's got yeah. enough like creepy weirdness and like there's a part where like the guy's getting his like guts torn out so you know it's enough of a horror movie yeah it's i remember good. hearing that it is that movie does a lot of cool very abstract stuff with its visuals but i cannot remember like i want to say the reception of it at the time was bad wasn't it i'm sure and i'm sure a lot of people don't like it um I, I give every movie at least three stars, if I'm honest with you. I just like movies. I might try to give The Cell a shot this Halloween. I normally go to Walmart and buy a lot of really cheap horror movies. Uh, this is why last year I watched all of The Leprechaun. Uh, nice. but considering the coronavirus is going around, I'm not sure how I'm going to like stock up on cheap horror movies this year. Uh, my, my wife pitched The Leprechaun movies as my marathon. Um, she yes, chose not please. to do that. I chose not to no, do that, and I instead... Watching uh, all the all of Orson Welles' movies because I this is this is a mistake. Fuck Orson Welles. Who cares about him? Watch the Leprechauns. Ah, uh, the I'm Leprechaun. The Leprechaun has a go kart in the second one, and it just says "I want me gold" on the side of Hidden Spring. <laughs> I like that we have now uh, that Die Another Day is so bad that we're just talking about <laughs> other movies. Oh, also, I will say like. Um, the cell. I realized what you're talking about. The Tarsem Singh movie. I was thinking of the Cube, and I was like, uh, "Wait, this doesn't Cube sound is, familiar." Is I also awesome. Yeah, Cube is pretty good. I don't think I've seen the cell. It's, it's pretty anyway. cool. Like it's got a lot of yeah, really neat, really neat visuals. Die another day. That's also a horror movie in a sense. Well. Real one good scene in it, and you guys, you can find that cool sword fight on YouTube. Yeah, that's right. Well, thankfully, Rosamund Pike uh, escaped from that movie with her career intact. So, 
Doesn't the car become invisible in that thing too? Yep, for some sure reason? does. Sure does. That's right. God, God, I'm just like remembering random bits and pieces. There's the bit too where like James Bond goes to the hotel and he looks like he just like he's Tom Cruise from Castaway. <laughs> it's just like, hey, I got a reservation here. Name's James Bond. Maybe you heard of me. Everyone remembers that Tom Cruise movie, Castaway. That's actually did I say Tom Cruise? <laughs> yes. I'm so sorry. My yeah. brain, my brain is, is rotten. On you got real bad this brain this morning. I really do. Um, no, there's that's another reference to a, a former James Bond movie. Is when he goes to the hotel, they got like the the Chinese operatives are like trying to film him. Okay. Just like him watch watch him have sex with somebody. I also think yeah. him showing up at the hotel all beat up and nasty looking is also that happens in a Sean Connery movie. He just walks into a hotel filthy and he's like walked through a swamp or something like that. And he, mm. you know, walks up like it's no big deal and the guy knows it. And as a matter of fact, Daniel Craig does that. In the most recent one. Uh, walks into a hotel all nasty and they just know who he is. I don't I'm, remember that, but maybe I'm pretty sure it's that one. I'm on MI6HQ.com. Uh die another day homages. I'm just kind of looking for it. It doesn't matter. We need we need to get okay, to the Craig's. That's right. Here we go. Good movies. Uh, yeah, this is uh, look. Speaking of like James Bond, just like everybody knows who he is. The main theme to this one is you know my name. Like fuck it. Hi, I'm James Bond. Yep. And this intro so good. The best oh, intro. Yeah. I mean, this is a really smart thing to do with this intro, too, is they, they really wanted to play up that this is a much more grounded and grittier James Bond movies than, you know, all that bullshit that came right before this. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, just straight up, this is the... F- a bunch of people. Yeah, yeah. well, it's like, yeah, this is the first guy he kills, also. Oh, yeah, 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 sorry, yes, yeah. that is an exceptional, exceptional moment, yeah. Yeah, because... Yeah, the big word... Like, um, yeah, where he says, like, don't worry, the second will be shunk. And he's yeah, just yeah. like, yes, considerably. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. <laughs> uh, the actual, like, um, the, the opening credit sequence to this, I think, is also one of my favorites. Just kind of the whole style of it, too. This Agreed. looks really, really good. And the theme mm-hmm. for this movie is easily one of my favorite James Bond themes. Agreed. Uh, it's pretty much this and the GoldenEye theme. I mean, it's so good. Ugh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like the old one theme, Tim Turner. No, not really. Um, actually, I didn't mention it back when we were talking about the Living Daylights, but um, that theme is okay. But I do really like the instrumental version of the theme that they use kind of through the whole movie, which yeah. they don't do often. Um, no, but that one's really they, good. They do that in Skyfall too, and it's really good in that. Yeah, uh, but. Wasn't it? Uh, I know Duran Duran did it's, View to a Kill. It's, uh, aha. Yeah. Uh, actually, I would say probably my top three favorite James Bond themes would be A View to a Kill, uh, The Living Daylights, and You Know My Name. Oh, would it not be Live and Let Die? I mean, that's got to be like, definitely top three. That song's amazing. Uh, it's pretty good. Like, I'd, if I had a top five, that, that would be yeah, in there. Yeah. I feel like Live and Let Die's got to be, I think, probably my number one. Like, that's a song that if I heard it, I don't even think yeah. of it as a James Bond theme. I, I just think of it as a song. Fun fact about me, I am extremely into trashy 80s pop music, which is probably why those two themes are in my top three. I mean, you know, 
uh, Paul McCartney, he did an all right job, but I feel like it, it really hit its peak when uh, Axl Rose took a crack at it. <laughs> uh, uh, right. So Casino Royale is uh, based on the very, very first James Bond book. Uh, I can't remember if we had mentioned that last week or not. Uh, but like, I, I, I don't know like how close it is to the source material. I tried to read Casino Royale once and just kind of had a hard time getting into it. I do know that they play uh, Baccarat in the original. Opera, and, yeah, that, that's yeah. right. And and in the uh, the first Casino Royale movie. Yeah. Uh, where where Orson Welles plays the chief. Yeah, much um, more popular game at that time. Uh, but of course, like the the sort of casino game that was getting real big uh, back in the early two thousands was Texas Hold'em. Uh, and so, of course, we get a really good bit of them explaining the rules to poker in a very awkward manner. That's right. A lot of Felix Leiter uh, explaining to Eva Green. No, it's not Felix Leiter. Oh, it's not? No, it's, it's, um, the, it's the, no, it's the French dude. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Felix Leiter, I think, is oh, later. Yeah, yeah. He is explaining yeah. how James Bond is doing. Yes, that's like, it. Uh, yeah. Felix Leiter is entered into this uh, into this competition, uh, and when James Bond loses and is ready to just go stab Le Chief, because I don't know, man, fuck it. <laughs> uh, Felix Leiter stops him and is just like, "Hey, you're way better at poker than me. I'm bleeding chips, uh, so I'm about to bow out, and we will just, you know, America will cover your buy-in so long as we can make the arrest." Yeah. yeah. And that uh, plot is so weird too. Like just the general concept of it that like he this bad guy blew all the money he had, so now he has to win it in a poker tournament. Yeah. Pay off his debt. Yeah. yeah. So that he doesn't get murdered. Yeah. Which which um, he does anyway, which is a good twist. Yeah. Yeah. So this also uh about as brutal to me as License to Kill. Uh there there is a really good bit with the chase sequence at the airport where that guy thinks he's going to blow up the plane and then James Bond just kind of smirks at him because he put the detonator on his belt. Yeah. Uh, or no, it's that you like the explosion goes off while they're cuffing James Bond and he just smiles because he is way into doing murders in these movies. Yeah, he is a he is on a murder spree. It's, yeah. This is the one so I I made a mistake of um opening for this movie, but is this this is the one where he uh, kills a guy and blows up an embassy. Yes, yes, yeah. He just tosses. Like, yeah, that's the parkour. Bit. Realizes he's not going to take that guy, and so he just shoots him. Yeah, murders him. Mm -hmm. Then he gets in trouble. Get your license to kill that way, but can't do that. Can't do that. Yeah, there. This also has the uh, the dead girl tied up in like the hammock or something. Like her body just all tangled up in there. And then, like, M's just like, eh, you, you don't really care. Like, whatever. Some broad died. Good job, James Bond. We need you to play poker. Time to play poker, pal. Yeah. I uh, do like, um, Jeffrey Wright is, I think, my favorite Felix Leiter. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's great in this one. Uh, and then in the future, uh, Craig movies, he feels much more, um, I guess, like, active in these movies. Mm -hmm. He feels more like, um, I am a CIA agent assisting you. Yeah, right? like he's not. He doesn't like run in and and pull the trigger on anybody. He's doing. He's a yeah. spy. Yeah, he also in in these he seems more like you know he has his own objectives 
and he's working towards that rather than in the others where he he's kind of just ancillary and is just there to push bond along he's not actually doing cia work he's just helping james but i kind of want to bring out the brutality for a specific scene which is the the you know every james bond movie somebody's got to get tortured the torture scene in this one is boy just whipping james bond's nutsack just going to town James bond's dick and balls just getting worn out that's that's one of the best lines though that bond has oh yeah like i got a little itch yeah a little left there you almost got it yeah you're everyone's going to know you died scratching my balls (laughs) yeah um There is something, though, about the imagery of them picking up that, like, wicker chair and just cutting out the hole that is very unnerving, though. Like, ugh. And then hearing Ava Green, like, supposedly being tortured the entire time that that is going on, too. In the next Uh, room, right? Yeah, even though she is in on it. Uh Uh, There's the the whole thing, too, that ends up getting a payoff in the next movie with, uh, I do not remember the name of the character, the, the French contact, uh, kind of gets set up as having been the double agent selling James Bond out, which is not actually the case, but they yeah. arrest him. Uh, yeah, yeah, he ends up, uh, ends up, uh, well, I don't want to move ahead too fast, but yeah. um, he is unceremoniously uh, dumped into a dumpster uh, yeah. in, uh, shoot, I don't even remember which one it is. One of the, one of the uh, upcoming yeah. Daniel Craig's. He is yeah. yeah murdered thrown into a dumpster and when his lady friend is like this is what you do with your friends and he's like that's what he would want <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know bud <laughs> he's like eventually recovered from the dumpster but like i don't know if that is what he'd want to be dumped in a dumpster you could just call cops anonymously and drive away and they'd pick up his body but we can throw him in a dumpster maybe he had a real frank reynolds conversation where he was just like when i die just throw me out with the rest of the trash <laughs> it's what he would want yeah. Okay. It's a very respectful burial. James Bond's going to come back there and leave a flower outside of that dumpster like a year from now. Yeah, that's right. Through and leave uh, a... anyway. Yeah, they'll they'll just reference that scene with Moore visiting his wife's grave, but they'll do it with the dumpster. Um, uh, this is uh, also the movie where um, Daniel Craig, James Bond, makes like the number one mistake of. Um, getting a drink which is letting someone else bring him a drink without watching them make it yeah you can't do that that's how you get poisoned uh so in the uh i think he says the recipe in the movie as well but it is detailed more in the book uh the the yeah the detail in the book is stupid like he he it's got like 17 different like little things now twist the lemon but not too much you just want to like yeah it's very romanticized in the book. Um, I had mentioned at the start of this podcast, uh, on, on my days off, I like to enjoy a martini. I decided to try to make the Vesper martini, and that has been all I've been drinking ever since. It is actually a very, very good drink. Yes, it is extremely good. Uh, the nice part about it, too, is uh, it requires specifically Gordon's gin and Gordon's vodka, both of which very cheap. So, James Bond. Both of them. Huh? Need both of them. Yes. And three, okay. Three three measures Gordon, one measure uh Gordon's vodka, and then it's you're supposed to use Lillet, a half measure, but you can use any very dry vermouth. And then yeah, you put a lemon peel around the rim of the glass and then you twist it and you drop it inside. That's Who it. cares? Yeah. 
Rangers. I want to Me, talk about Moss Mickelson. Alcoholic. I am Just aware. Moss Mickelson, a great, great, great villain. Absolutely, yeah. he cries blood. He is yep. one of my absolute um, top on villains. I think. Uh, yeah. Anything that he is in, uh, especially very bad stuff, like I don't know, movies I might end up on Netflix. Oh. Don't remind me about Polar. Jeez. <laughs> Look, it I didn't sucked. want to invoke it by name. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, more Mass Mikkelsen, always good for me. Uh, it is too bad he like gets killed off, but eh, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the standard for, for James Bond, right? Is you're going to make it through one movie, um, except unless your name is Blofeld. Yeah. Then you're yeah. done for. Um, also, Lashif, I mean was doomed right like he was doomed from the start like you can't yeah. unless he won whatever it was 20 million dollars or whatever 50 million dollars whatever it was he was gonna die there were like 10 different people trying to kill him like different like organizations and stuff like that that were trying to kill him yeah um, his money he was he was doomed from the start right yeah. i actually really like the unceremonious way that they get rid of him too like that yeah. scene where they bust him always being you know he's torturing bond and they just yeah shoot him yep and the, the thing that i'm not easy about there is that they don't just shoot james bond why why wouldn't you do that why would yeah. you know, yeah, the I don't witness know. of what you just did and like he's laying on the ground with his balls all swollen and it's just like <laughs> oh, like, like yeah. let's just pull the trigger on this guy but they don't they don't yeah, but I think that is also uh, like like the whole end of this movie. Uh, you're without a primary antagonist, really. You just get the whole, you know, the stuff yeah. where the Vesper has uh, actually betrayed James Bond. Uh, her boyfriend is captured by this organization, and she's sort of doing everything under uh, duress. Uh, but you get the really good sequence with that building kind of getting fucked falling up, in, yeah, oh, falling wow. into the canal in Venice. You know, the end of this movie is really long. Yeah, um, like Boy, after. Lashif dies. It feels so long after that. Like the movie should end more than once in that yeah. in that bit. Even after like Vesper dies, there's like a whole bit after that where he um he tracks a dude down and shoots him or something like that. Mr. White, right? yeah. No, um, he he just like puts him in his trunk because like Quantum of Solace starts immediately after this movie. Yeah, you you don't see him put him in the in the trunk though between the two. No. Like he walks up and says the you know Bond James Bond line. Um, but you also get the really good line of him on the boat where so this is yet another James Bond movie where James Bond ends up breaking ways from MI6 and just kind of doing his own thing. Uh, but like Emery and states him at the end and he has a good line of uh, the bitch is dead. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But it's, yeah. Um, understand her motivations at this point though no he eventually comes to uh i also like um th this villain that is uh meeting with vesper the weird thing where he's got like the half sunglasses thing going on yeah i really like that this dude looks like he came out of a very early connery james bond movie so next no, up no, I, I love it absolutely love it Yes. Quantum of Solace, a, a movie people seem to really not like, but I think is pretty good, actually. Yeah. I like it. Now, it's, it's my least favorite of the Craig movies. Um, I don't think any of the Craig movies are genuinely bad. Um, I, I think it's just my, my least favorite of them. 
Yeah. Well, so my thing with Quantum of Solace was always I have never watched it by itself. I have always watched it immediately following Casino Royale, and I feel like it Maybe works way better that way. Yeah. Uh, partly because it is like it's pretty short. It's like maybe an hour and a half or so. So, uh, sort of works as an addendum to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that and the way it starts immediately after that, uh, with Mister White in the trunk, and just in general, it's basically an extended epilogue to Casino Royale. Yeah, it benefits significantly off of having Casino Royale's momentum carried into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if I saw this thing when it first came out, just standalone without having seen Casino Royale, you know, for quite some time, I probably would feel the same way about it that most people do. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I uh, had wanted to go see it when it came out, uh, but I was on a date, and my date really wanted to see that first Twilight movie. So, hey, there you go. You know, watch (laughs) that. Do you you enjoy it? No. Okay. I'm just, I thought I'd ask. Nah, it's fine. That movie is very bad. I ruined that date because the bit where Edward sees Bella walk into the classroom and he comes in his pants made me laugh really loud in the movie. <laughs> Does he literally do that? Yeah. Uh, nice. There's a bit later on where, um, God, I remember way too much about this thing. Uh, Bella, like, she gets wounded in a fight with, like, another vampire. And so they're having to, like, come up with this whole cover story so her dad doesn't realize that, like, vampires are a thing. And so their excuse is, like, she fell down some stairs, man. I don't know. And there's, like, this fake flashback to her just tumbling down some stairs. That movie is... Man. Awful. Awful. Yeah. Say, yeah, um... In, uh, in Quantum of Solace, I think in a big change for the Bond series, something I've never really seen before, um, James Bond gets in trouble for going a little off the rails and, and uh, you know, gets sent back to, uh, you know, to England and told not to do anything anymore. Mm-hmm. That's never happened in a James Bond movie. No. no. It literally, it literally happened in the last one. <laughs> yeah. And it happens in the, one in, before an, that. in the one after, well, two after that also. Yes. Every single one of the Craig James Bonds has James Bond like not doing what he's told. I think yeah. it's Bond's this is the one where badly. he really does go off the rails in this one. He is on a murder spree. Yeah. This one. Um Yeah, like I feel like at some point, like he's successful at everything. Like he stops the bad guy every time. At some point, M's gonna be like, listen, you know, Prime Minister and and you know. Uh, important british people we've got one guy who's gonna murder a ton of people but in the end everything's gonna work out okay so like i know you're upset you think he's gonna cause an international incident but in the end everything's gonna work out okay and they're like how do you know and they're like well he's done this 25 times you know i mean ray finds him kind of does that inspector yeah and the later ones he does yeah Yes, that's true. Judy Dench, though, the um, evil, what is it, evil queen of numbers that James Bond calls yeah. her, Pierce Brosnan calls her. Somebody calls her that, definitely. I remember. It's no, no. It's it's somebody talking to Pierce Brosnan that says yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is another James Bond movie that makes some big references to some past ones. Uh, two in particular. Uh, the first one actually might just me be like connecting dots that aren't there, but where where he's like identifying the different members of Quantum. And they're at that sort of weird outdoor opera thing. I swear to God, something like that happens in The Spy Who Loves Me. Okay. Uh, but, it's, but it's people that are part of Spectre or something? 
I, I so I don't think it's necessarily he's identifying people there, but there there was some sort of outdoors play or opera thing that James Bond was at, and he had to do something there uh, covertly. I want to say that happens in The Spy Who Loves Me, uh, but remind reminded me of that movie in particular, like just even kind of the vibe during that scene. Uh, but the one that's a much more overt reference is instead of um, or like uh, one of the women that he gets involved with. Uh, who ends up getting killed as uh, retaliation against James Bond is covered in oil, mm -hmm. uh, which is meant to invoke the Goldfinger scene. Yeah, sure. Because, uh, hey, get it? Oil's more valuable than gold. It's the hey. year 2000s, everybody. <laughs> oil yeah. valueless now? I think it is. Pretty, yeah. pretty cheap. Uh, um, yeah, no, the, like that message would not fly in the year 2020. <laughs> I also like uh, the theme song to this movie a lot, yeah, but I'm Jack a Jack White, White fan, so yeah, that's yeah. why. Uh, I, from what I understand, a lot of Bond fans do not like it. Which is still weird yeah. to me because I agree with you. It's a very good thing. Yeah, it's got that really good guitar, that... It's great. Yeah, We get Jeffrey Wright Felix Leiter in this one again, and he... He like gets James Bond out of getting caught by the CIA. Uh -huh. Yeah, right? like he yeah. warns him or something like that. Which again, like, I don't think he's in the movie past that. It's just like he has a scene, like a, effectively a cameo, yeah. where he helps James Bond instead of his government organization. And, and he's still going rogue at this point, and I think yeah, like the CIA has like a bid in this that he's sort of fucking up. That's the last time Felix is seen, isn't it? He isn't in Skyfall or Spectre. Oh no, there's one. What is the one? What's the one where he's on an airplane, and he's like with the bad guy, and he's infiltrated the bad guy's organization. That might be Skyfall. I don't remember yeah. a whole lot about that movie. He's, he's definitely not in Skyfall. Okay, he might I, be in Spectre. I he think is it's not. Spectre. He is not in Spectre. Because okay. I watched that recently. Then this, would, then this would be the last time. I know for sure that he is not in Skyfall at all. Okay. Uh, yeah, the villain's uh, plot in this thing too is a little bizarre. It's something about like controlling water to like a certain region, like capitalizing yeah. on it. They they think that there's oil there, and they think it's all about oil. Yeah, it turns out that it's about water, and that he's like taking water from people in um. Uh -huh. This is where the French guy gets murdered and thrown into yeah. a dumpster. They're in South America. And, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that, that might be part of why people did not like this movie, is the villain's plot is, I don't know. I, I think that it being about controlling waters and droughts and stuff does not play in a part of the world where droughts are not really a thing people concern themselves with. Uh, I don't really care about that. I just like the end where he's like, here, fine, drink this oil then. Dumbass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, this movie sets up this whole shadowy organization. Well, I guess uh, Casino Royale already Different. did that. But, but this they, they... shadowy organization? So it, Spe Spectre is, it feels like what they really wanted to use, but they still did not necessarily have the rights to get at that. So they just called uh -huh. it Quantum instead. And so then later on in Spectre, where they're like, actually, Quantum was Spectre the entire time, was them finally like, being able to go like, hey, yeah, we could use yeah. this now. Did it. 
uh, I think actually the the reasoning that they provide in Spectre is that Spectre has a bunch of different sub organizations, and they're like you know the quantum is one of them. Yeah, I think in that in that yeah. scene where um uh, where like, like all time... Spectre met up, they talk about that. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think the idea was that the people in the sub organizations didn't even really know they were part of yes. Spectre. Yeah, yeah they were uh, just doing the yeah, like, quantum stuff. Yeah, like Mr. White, I guess, found out, and like that was yeah. kind of what got him on their bad side. And then they like did weird poisoning stuff to him or whatever that was yeah. about. It's getting a little bit ahead too, but there is a bit in Spectre where they're kind of identi- identifying past operatives, whether they knew or not. And uh, Silva from Skyfall is also labeled as having had some sort of affiliation with Spectre. So yeah. it, Spectre was very much them going oh, hey, we finally got the rights over this thing that we wanted real bad, so now we need to connect all the prior Craig movies to this thing. Yeah, we did uh, it, guys. Spectre's a thing the whole time. Congratulations. Uh, but yeah, might as well just move on to Skyfall then, which is uh, the James Bond from recent memory that I think everyone is extremely into. Uh, yeah. I like it to the Dark Knight in a couple of ways, uh, mainly in that the villain has... The villain pretty much understands he's in a movie. Like the stuff that he does should absolutely not pan out for him, but it does anyway. He's in a movie. Yeah, we are. But Bardem oh, okay. is a fantastic villain. Oh yeah, yeah he's great. Watch him he rip his teeth his, out. Yeah, he takes his face off, and it is real gruesome looking. Oh yeah, he yeah. tried to take cyanide, and it did not work out. Bad, bad cyanide. I honestly, I remember very little of Skyfall. I remember Javier Bardem does not show up until about an hour into the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember uh, MI6 gets blown up uh, because yeah, yeah. Uh, Silva is in a Magneto prison and he orchestrates that. Yeah. And then I remember the end is all straw dogs for some reason. Yeah, that ending's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um beginning is money penny is a field agent and right. she shoots james bond <laughs> off the top of a train yes yeah. this yes. is actually setting up her origin story as then having a desk chop for the rest of her time and she shot james bond <laughs> yeah because uh, uh, yeah. I, I did mention that last week actually that was like the framing device for that weird daniel craig game where it yeah. was like flashbacks to the previous movies like it was like this is like hallucina- hallucinations he's experiencing when falling off the train or whatever yeah but, um see, they never address he actually lived right like they talk about like he comes back and he's all like weak and lame and he doesn't know how to shoot and he's you know like a like a baby he's like a little baby and he's all psychologically messed up and he has to do he can't shoot his gun straight and all this sort of mess, but they put him out anyway. We got this lame James Bond. We need to shoot him in the head and take him to the glue factory. Yeah. Oh, you, you need your James Bonds out there. He's got to murder people. That's the only way to solve this. Problem. Yeah, he's he's like going on an extended bender in some unspecified part of the globe and then sees that yeah. MI6 was attacked and comes back. Right, and comes back, but they don't ever address like, uh, you got shot and shot so hard with a very big gun. You yeah. went sailing off of a train into a ravine. They they kind of do, because when he shows up at, like, Judy Dench's, I, I keep referring to her by the actress's name and not as M. Because every time she's in something, I just see her as, oh, it's Judy Dench. I like Judy Dench. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he shows up in her apartment or, or flat or whatever. Uh, 
And she says that they like sold all of his belongings. Like they liquidated all of James Bond's assets because they thought that he was dead. I mean, there is that really good bit in Spectre when Money Penny goes to his apartment and is just like, damn, bitch, you live like this? (laughs) Uh, But yeah. um, You don't even have any posters on the wall. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, They, um,. I I do remember this bit about him like drinking on a beach somewhere because it reminded me of Max Payne three. Yeah, yeah, that it is extremely Max Payne three esque, like that ending of him just kind of walking off into the sunset. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, God, uh, it's it's sunny here, but it's stormy everywhere else. I think was the line from the end of Max Payne three. Sure. That's a good, good video, video game. Uh, sure. I video game. I don't know anything about that. I'm sure it's great. I love Um, this. This one is the return of the classic Aston Martin. Yes. Yeah, it pulls it out of storage, which this is another weird thing for me where the the Craig movies are very much like there's this hard line between Casino Royale and everything else where this is very much a reboot, but then he has the Aston Martin and it's kind of implied that like he's used that thing a bunch in the past and it's a little weird (laughs) that they're doing that. And it's uh, just his car, man. He just loves it. He's had it for a long yeah. time and has nothing to do with the fact that he used it for... Yeah, I I like when he starts it up, the old James Bond music plays. It's very good. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. Uh, it's amazing, and I'm glad that it gets blown up. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. The the whole ending sequence, though, uh, Larry bringing up that it's very straw dogs. Uh, I love this whole ending bit at James Bond's old, like the, the old Bond manor uh with so the 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 groundskeeper there uh fun fact was originally supposed to be played by sean connery uh they wanted him back for this movie as a cameo uh, but then they felt it would be very confusing that there would be two james bonds on the screen at the same time and that what? people might not understand that connery was not actually playing bond yeah That's 100 weird. year old james bond out there dragging his feet yeah. So he was, it's the same exact character. Like, it's not James Bond, it's just a groundskeeper, but they, they wanted it as Connery. I think that would have been cool if they gave him, like, a big beard and, and it was, you know, yeah. Like, a little bit. I get that, that people would probably come into that thing and then be confused and think that he is actually supposed to be playing old James Bond. Yeah, right? and then I they're mean, like, oh, it is a secret name that they pass exactly. along they're, they're stupid people who seem to think, like, yeah, it's a code name, so then, oh, yeah. this is the old James Bond. Hey, there he to is. be clear, I did not think that's the case. I just want it to be the case. Yeah, all, all right. right. Like, I I understand they are all the same James Bond, which is why in this movie the bit with the Aston Martin is weird to me, because this is the first movie where they definitely try to make a break from that. Uh, um, but to it, the end, Silva uh, is just like, he's just crazy into M. Like, he wants her, he keeps yeah. calling her mother. Some yeah, uh, mental health problem. He was stationed uh, in a certain part of the world. I can't remember exactly where it was, but M basically left him to die after his cover was blown, and he took the cyanide uh, capsule in his yeah. tube that did not kill Yeah, expired cyanide didn't work. Um, but then, God, the bit where he first shows up, and it's that shot of him walking from clear down the other end of the server room, and he's telling the story about like catching rats in a drum and making them want to eat each other. And then he yeah. comes, like, he makes his way to James Bond and just starts feeling up Daniel Craig's chest. Oh, yeah, I remember, like, a lot of him, like, rubbing his legs or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, they they got that good bit right after that scene though, where the woman who brings James Bond there, he has her like tied up and balances that shot glass on her head, and uh, it's just like, hey, we're going to take out these old timey pistols and try to shoot the shot glass. That'd be fun, right? Yeah, let's just have have a good old William S. Burroughs time. Yeah, uh, Silva's yeah, a really really good Bond villain. He's a like yeah, Bond. he's a fantastic Bond villain. Um, I think it helps that you hire a really good actor. Yeah. I think right. that's one of the things about the Craig movies that is, I think, really distinguishes them from the older ones. Feel a lot more modern, um, so they feel a lot more uh, like they're hiring good actors and they're yeah. hiring good screenwriters. And um, it's not as obviously not as campy, obviously not as corny, but like people are really trying, and they're and they're really yeah. like Javier Bardem makes choices. You know what I mean? Like he makes choices and. Um, and you know he still chews scenery like all the other Bond villains, and he's you know a, a control weirdo. And that's awesome, but he's an incredible actor, and so it, he sells it. Yeah, there's a, a certain casualness to the way he speaks to every character in this movie that I really like because it makes him seem like an absolute creep. Like he's definitely like very obsessive over M. Uh, but the way that he talks to James Bond is just there, there's a sort of friendly affectation to his voice that I mean, is pretty good. That's that's kind of what he did in No Country for Old Men too, like that sort yeah. of blend between yeah, it's just kind of a guy. He's here. He's calling me friendo, asking me yeah. to call a coin. I don't know. Uh, and then, and then he's also a crazed murderer. Yeah, just smiles at you and puts that uh the the air pressure oh, thing. Up thing to your head. Yeah, uh-huh. jeez. Yeah. Anyway, Harvey, Javier, Javier, Javier Bardem, great actor. Absolutely. Then uh, uh, Ray Fiennes, this is his first appearance, or was he in the yep. previous one? Yeah. yeah, so this is where they also do a weird thing of establishing that M is actually short for your first name. Or no, they did that in a Casino Royale, because Bond breaks into GBW. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't know that M stood for... Uh, like, don't, say, don't say it. Yeah. Which is also uh, yeah. weird because that wasn't really well. I guess we don't know what their names were beforehand, but like he does mention that M had predecessors before her in Goldeneye. Yeah, but then uh, that that could also well, yeah, because they're referring to the other actors that had that had come and gone from the role. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this being a reboot and everything, I also take it that uh, Ray finds uh, whose name is Mallory for most of this thing. Uh, it's supposed to represent like the first actor who plays M and Doctor No. That it's supposed to sort of lead up to that point. Um, I think it's it's great that um, they only hire people to run MI6 who have a name that starts with M. Yeah, yes. I appreciate it's that. A it's a requirement of the job, and that's okay. Look, I don't know. Maybe if you uh, maybe if your name started with a C, they would refer to you as C, but you would still have that same position. And we all know uh, what C stands for. I think that they, uh, if you want the job, you gotta anticipate that and go ahead and change your name. M name. Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. It's a whole legal process. Uh, that that is a speaking of the Aston Martin thing though. That is another weird thing about these uh, Craig movies is that Judy Dench is still M. And yeah. I think I M they is, probably it, just liked her as M. Yeah, but I like to think that there's like some sort of weird temporal displacement going on, and she has memories oh, of all these. Boy, here we go. This is my other theory. Desmond Llewellyn, uh, you know, drifted into the GoldenEye movies, right? Or through yeah, every yeah. single movie. Yeah. So he started from the beginning. He's the only one yeah. who knows the truth about James Bond. 
Yeah. yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm glad that they brought her back for the uh, Craig ones, but I do think it's a an interesting thing of again them doing this hard break between the two of them, but then still retaining like a few things like carry over in a real weird way. Mm-hmm. I really like this this one. Um, I think it's really cool. Uh, the ending is yeah off the wall. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. Super uh, super good. I I'm not wild about the theme song, which I know was. A big hit. Yeah, yeah. Song. I, I don't. It's very generic. I think, but it's yeah. fine. But I think it is. It was designed to be a. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something to bring up about the ending of this movie too. Uh, part of me saying that I think he's supposed to represent the first M from Doctor No is they are now back in that office, like that is the same setting that the original james bonds took place in because they blew up the like high-tech mi6 place uh, at the start of this one so they have to move into a smaller building mm-hmm. um but then like you also get his gun barrel sequence at the end of this which he did not have a proper one in the previous two movies uh you you sort of had the bit yeah. mm-hmm. in the opening sequence of casino but it was still not the like the dots moving across the screen right like the cut thing uh I also think this is the first one of the Craig movies that at the very end it has the James Bond will return tag. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. They they leaned very hard at the end of this movie into the like this is a reboot thing. So Well sure. I mean well, yes, it's like the Bond begins, I guess, of this series. That's something I wanted to bring up about how I in my brain I associate this with the Dark Knight is uh with Batman Begins and Dark Knight, I think Batman Begins is the best Batman movie. Uh, but The Dark Knight is also very good. But The Dark Knight is the one that everybody kind of hoists up as this is the best Batman film. Uh, I think that people kind of treat Skyfall the same way. That is just held up as this big, like, momentous event in James Bond. Uh, but I think Casino Royale is absolutely the better James Bond movie. It's the better story. Uh, and I think it's it's such a good introduction to, to Dan, Daniel Craig as Bond. Yeah, yeah. There's, I don't know. There, there is something about Casino Royale where I just think that is a much better constructed movie and a better constructed story than Skyfall is. But people really love Skyfall. It's a good movie. Skyfall's got that bit with the Komodo dragons. Yeah, it does. I mean, Skyfall. I, I still like Skyfall a whole lot. Uh, I like The Dark Knight a whole lot too. But sure. Yeah. Uh, then we move to. Yeah, that's right, Spectre, the most recent Craig film uh so last week thomas got a whole lot of crap for liking thunderball and now it's my turn because i thought specter was a-okay i like specter too and you know it starts in a really unique way i think that i've never seen in a james bond movie before where james bond goes on an unauthorized uh you know trip out to to murder somebody uh, <laughs> against the will of mi6 now i've never seen that happen yeah just he goes off the rails like that and just does whatever he wants. Treading new ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. It's breaking breaking new ground for us, and yeah. I, I really appreciate that. He does wear a f- cool-ass skull mask. Yeah. yeah. Spectre forges its own path. I mean, it has a, uh, a very unique and interesting villain, uh, something that we've, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a character quite like this in a James Bond before. Uh-huh. Ah. Christoph Waltz playing somebody whose name is, uh, I think it's Blofeld. Yeah, no, really, no, really... It, it's it's Fra- Franz Oberhausen. 
Oh, my bad. This is, uh, I can't remember if we talked about this last week. I'm sure we talked about it on this podcast before, but uh, casting actors and they're very clearly playing a well-known villain or character and then the studio's going like, no, no, he's not. It's a completely original character. Yeah, we, we talked about that last week because I brought up okay. um, Benedict Cumberbatch as Khan. That's right. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. not. Yeah. Don't worry about it. His name's yeah. Franz, you see. Uh-huh. They very um, aggressively did that with this movie, I recall. But yeah, it also has um, who's the, who's the big wrestler? The guy oh, uh, Batista. Batista, yeah, it has Batista as the the guy with metal fingernails. Well, so that's the thing. He shows up with those. And it's like, oh, that's gonna be his gimmick. He's gonna love gouging people's eyes out. He doesn't do it again. He tries. He takes a crack at it mm. on, on Daniel Craig later, and it doesn't. He doesn't. It. He gets guys, just one line after that. Yeah, you guys have have seen this. Well, Larry at least has seen this a lot more recently than I have. Uh, does Batista have any speaking lines in this movie? Yes, he has one. He goes shoot he uh, right okay. before he gets knocked out of the train. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I because I think that they're very much going for a Jaws thing a thing with him where he has this very uh, physically imposing presence doesn't say anything and then of course Jaws has metal teeth but Batista has the metal, metal fingernails oh yeah, um, yeah which is why uh, when he gets thrown out of the train and he never shows up for the rest of the movie I got very confused because I thought that he would be like a Jaws thing where he just keeps on coming well he does like yeah. he goes after him like two times before that yeah, but but then the train thing is is it. I actually thought that he would show up yet again after that. After he gets, after he gets ripped out of a moving train. And, I mean, hey, Jaws fell off of that uh that gondola thing. He blew up in a space station and survived. Yeah, and he survived. Just he just uh, fucking fell back to earth. I like the I like the fight in the train with Batista. Uh, I think it's cool. It's uh-huh. I like that narrow you know can't escape can't move around kind of thing where like the the big giant guy just uses the fact that james bond can't be quick and can't be agile yeah his advantage yeah this and movie... then james bond wins that fight by dumb luck yeah. yeah this movie i feel like um i like it but the end of it is worse than the rest of it like it kind of just falls apart near the end so i uh I don't like the big the big fight where he you know blofeld puts him in the big Building or the old the old MI6 no, building. You know, like no, not really. He's explaining he's yeah. explaining the story. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that whole thing feels like just a very awkward escalation of events. Like it keeps feeling like, oh, this should be the final fight between Bond and Blofeld, and then it's just like, here's another layer, and here's another layer on top of that. He's in a helicopter yeah. now. I mean, I do really like that bit where he shows up and does finally see Blofeld with the scar, and he's like yeah, yeah, well, uh, you need to go rescue Leia Seydoux or uh, she's going to blow up. And then Bond's like, you're bluffing. He's like, okay, and just leaves and hits the button. That And that's good. That's the kind of Christoph Waltz I want. Yeah, yeah. I kind of just wish, though, they didn't have the stuff with the helicopter crashing after that. I think I would have liked it more if Blofeld actually did just plain get away. Yeah. Oh, they had to give him his scar on his face. Well, that's yeah. before that. That happens in the um, in the facility where he was doing the drill stuff. That's right. That's right. That's right. He shows up to that scene with the scar. Yeah, yes. I uh, 
Spectre is a... I actually like the first half of this movie, I think, and it is when they do the Blofeld reveal that I then end up falling off of it. I think the thing for me is it's... You know, I kind of mentioned that they they finally got the rights to all this stuff, and it just really feels like this awkward kind of shift to, hey, everything you thought about the original, like these first three movies, yeah. it all now has this totally different context, and it it draws me right. out of the picture when I know that yeah. it's because they got the rights to this shit. As everybody all of a sudden, hey guys, you remember all those dudes from the old movies that yeah. you know that that guy that was a betrayed mi6 agent and was doing this for revenge and was crazy about m and you know had all this not oh yeah he was a uh yeah he was an agent sure but like why all his stuff was very personal yeah um, like you don't need to recontextualize these other three movies yeah. they held up perfectly fine uh well, so like i think in casino royale the chief owes money to specter right? yes yeah he used specter's money like he may be a member of specter but he's used specter's money I, uh, there's a lot of i mean we've i've brought up quite a few but there are a lot of references to other james bond films in new james bond films and for the most part they don't really bother me all that much it's this is a lot like the pouring oil all over the girl in quantum of solace thing where it's just like hey remember blowfelt yeah. yeah remember goldfinger it didn't need the white cat that was like too far for me yeah yeah, yeah. Well, then you, you move into that like that campy territory right where like you're taking this movie that is you know this whole series has been a very serious sort of again like a gritty bond thing and it's such a cornball thing to have blowfeld yeah. with his little kitty cat yeah I, I mean that's that's sort of my problem with it too is christoph waltz's performance is very cornball whereas the rest of that movie is actually like pretty par for the course with craig's james bond films so far and i don't know there's just something very discordant about all of it that doesn't really you know it's when he finally shows up and then that's where the movie takes the turn for me you know what the it's... best part of this movie was i thought the bit where he's just like in that uh in that house with Leia Seydoux and he's just like sitting there in a chair by himself awake all night and a rat comes in and he just like points a gun at it and mutters who you work for or something like that yeah 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 and it's like that this is what I want this bond is off his rocker and I'm here for it he loaded too isn't he drinking the whole time yeah yeah yeah. honestly like we really need to address the fact that James Bond is likely drunk constantly oh yeah all of his missions uh and and that's probably why he just was on a murder sprees you know what I mean like what's (laughs) what else he gonna he he can't be sneaky everybody knows his name Uh uh-huh he got left but well you got a gun yeah they had a song about it everybody knows his name that's right uh Uh, oh yeah and the theme song for specter is whatever i kind of like the uh, i know the theme song for specter like i don't know if i remember it at all it's like it's michael buble i think (laughs) i think so uh, that's right i think it is too i completely <laughs> forgot that they got i don't know i don't know if i could like even hum a hum a bar of it i could record. not uh it's uh, it's a very subdued one that's all i remember is it's very down tempo i i like the imagery of the opening with like the weird tentacles and stuff on it that's pretty neat but yeah, yeah the well, song the is octopus whatever logo the octopus yeah. logo for Hector is is pretty cool uh-huh. my, so like my... the, uh, continuing that my favorite James Bond credit sequence is in uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, 
It's kind of weird fitting that in on the timeline with the rest of them, though. Yeah, it's a little hard to slot in. I'm not sure if it's necessarily canon. It might be a, you know, never say never again sort of situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, I believe it's in that movie. Blofeld, does Blofeld return in the new the new one that is yes. never going to come out, or is it going to be extremely yeah. delayed? Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that they've they've cast him in that thing, yeah. Yes, okay. they've said that Christoph Waltz is back as Blofeld in this. Yeah, this is supposed to be the last one for Craig. I believe it this time. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, I'm going to be curious how long it takes them to put out another James Bond past this one, considering how long this virus thing is probably going to go on for. Yeah, how, what's uh, what's the wager on uh, who's the next James Bond? Is there any sort of are there all sorts of unfounded rumors and all that I, out there? I'm one of those people who really wanted Idris Elba as James Bond. For yeah, a long me time. too. He's been good. Too old for the role now. I feel if Craig yeah. is already getting long in the tooth for it, that you can't really I mean, go. That's the ideal James Bond age, like late thirties, early forties. He's got to be yeah. experienced enough, but he, he can't be like the new guy. But he's also can't be an old man. Well, especially if we've just you know rebooted everything and this is now a new continuity, you can't have him be younger than Craig started out as. Like he's got to be late thirties, early forties. There, there was an actor that they were looking at, and I can't remember his name. Uh, but it's he had just, kind of a. It's just going to be Eddie Redmayne or something like oh, that. <laughs> um, I, I can't remember who it was that they were looking at, but he had a very uh, Brosnan sort of look to him. Very okay. clean cut, uh, thick, thick, lush head of hair, unlike Daniel Craig. <laughs> I like I Craig's when he... very chimp-like appearance. It's endearing. Yeah. They first were doing the Craig movie. I remember it was like a, a controversy that he's blonde. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, he's, he's blonde. You can't have a blonde James Bond. And as, you know, a, guys, as opposed to a face that looks like it's been stung by a hundred bees. It's a fictional character, guys. You can yeah. have an anything James Bond. Yeah, um, yeah. Make James Bond a lady. Sure, well, that's, that's what people are mad about. Yeah, still call her James Bond though. Any Bond, knows. I'd be like Jasmine Bond. Um, yeah, that's fine. I wouldn't be upset about that. Um, there would be only one condition that I would have if if we were gonna do that, which is that her her habits and that sort of thing would have to be the same as a man James Bond. Oh yeah, she would have to be and promiscuous and all those things that the actual james bond is um otherwise it's going to feel fake right yeah. like it's going to feel like oh this is not james bond but i would expect her to be like in a casino and i'm dressed to the nines and it turns out i'm really good at baccarat right like you have to have those james bond things if you're going to do that and I, i'd be fine like that with that oh honestly. no does this end with them casting ronda rousey as james bond Oh no, no, that's not gonna happen. Fuck. I don't think I'm gonna say no American James Bond. I don't wanna hear it. Yeah. That's that's a thing I won't I won't cross a line on. Uh the, the worst one is um Lazenby, who's an Australian, and they just they messed that up. Yeah. Um, I just decided to I decided to Google this up and uh the American option is uh Michael B. Jordan. Um, who I don't mm. think would be a good James Bond. No. Uh, he doesn't give me that vibe. Uh, Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. Wouldn't be angry about. Uh, Lashana to... Lynch, that was the lady that they like. Well, she's in what? No Time to Die. Right. And that's yeah. the idea is that she would like step in. Yeah. Then you would have a, a 
legitimate like this is actually a code name well i bet that's the opening though like i bet it's you know james has gone and done something stupid or he's mia or something and so she's taken over and then he ends up coming back well he leaves at the end of specter doesn't he he like quits mi6 because he's in love with a pretty lady again i don't know if he really quits or he's just like taking a break or something I took it as him walking away, which would then be your your in for having a female 007. Yeah. yeah. I like uh, uh, Tom Hardy as an option. Hmm. Yes, Big but only top. if he does his weird Sean Connery from The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would want Tom Hardy to, um, first of all, he would be constantly covering his face. Yes. Um, you're not allowed to see Tom Hardy's face be wearing like balaclavas and stuff in the movie um he's just a, i think he's just a really good actor you know what i mean yeah i, I like tom hardy is. Uh, i'm I not sure really, how i still really like that story about him wrestling a naked shia labeouf like tom hardy just seems like an all-around great guy <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah uh so yeah i, I i'm i'm curious uh also if no time to die is just going to get released digitally, which I feel like is an no. inevitability at this point. No. I, I think that they're going to sit on that thing longer than they should before finally realizing, hey, we need to make money off of this, and so they do a digital release for it. And that whole thing with um with uh, Universal making more money on Trolls Two than they expected, right? And they talked about that, like, hey, actually, we hit our numbers by a lot, yeah. And- Oh, and then, you know, AMC got all up in arms about it, I guess. Now they're not going to show any Universal movies, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if they are showing and, and, like, announcing publicly that, like, hey, actually, this is a good option for releasing movies. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about, like, doing a um, simultaneous release. They release it in theaters and on digital streaming at the same time. Sure. can so make a choice of, like, do I want that movie theater experience? do I want to just watch it at home? Um, which the theaters are mad about because that's taking revenue from them. Sure. Um, I love, because I have three people and $20 to rent a movie is cheaper than tickets, let alone the fact that I'm going to buy candy from Walgreens for a dollar. Mm-hmm. Right. Here's the thing with that too, though, is there's nothing stopping them from when theaters start to reopen to just do a second run of that thing, essentially. Like, okay, we made all of our money digitally. Now, hey, if people really want to go get that big screen experience, we can just put the movie out for a short run and, you know, rack in that money too. The one uh, I am interested uh, to see is um, the New Mutants movie, which is eternally cursed. Um, I feel like that's one they're going to dump on digital fairly yeah. soon yeah, that, yeah and I, again i'm i'm into it right like i yeah. like yeah. i like watching new movies there's a bunch of new movies i want to see and uh, the fact that i'm stuck at home and can't watch them uh yeah sucks right we did watch um we watched onward the uh, pixar flick that they released um pretty cool right to like be able to say like instead of even if they did that where it's like okay hey we're gonna have it in the theater and then we're gonna put it to digital um early like earlier than we normally would so instead of waiting you know six months or a year before you can watch this thing streaming we're gonna do it two months right well, and then you case, still get your big opening weekend or whatever it, it was also that was just on disney plus that wasn't even like pay 15 dollars yeah. to rent it um yeah, which they I, just released it which I, is cool i think some yeah. of that might 
because their movie didn't do great. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting it's a viable it's a viable business model now, and I mm-hmm. think it's gonna lean start leaning that way. I I do just I think that though it is a two things with that is I I do see them sitting on no time to die for longer than they should. And that at some point is going to be this, they'll have to wait like, okay, we spent all this money on this movie and it is still not out yet. Like we got to put it online and actually get something back for this. Uh, And I also think that like, if, if you're trying to then make this sell for releasing a new, you know, instead of just going straight to theaters and having that be where a movie lives for this long stretch of time and just putting this up digitally first, like you need something like a really big name, like a James Bond movie, to kind of establish that as being the norm. It's going to legitimize it a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that they do that, both because I really want to see that movie, um, and I also really never want to have to go into a movie theater again for the rest of my life. I am Same. tired of being packed in there with my fellow man animals. I am sick of seeing horror movies where dipshits bring their very young children who scream and cry during the entire thing i want to tell you a great story about um similar situation to that so i saw annihilation twice in theaters uh because i loved it and it was a really good good theater movie especially the end where the uh volume is out of control which you absolutely (laughs) can't get uh, in your home first time i saw it i was astonished i saw it at like a midnight show right like i went really late and i was effectively alone um and it was awesome uh, and creepy and weird uh, and then I went and saw it at the second run theater and I went in at, you know, so we have a second run theater nearby where you pay three bucks and, and you get a ticket to the movie. Right. Um, and it happens after it's out of the other theater. So I went and saw it three bucks, went into the theater and I'm sitting in the back and I'm eating my popcorn. And I'm having a good time. There's a few other people in the theater, but they're all way up at the front. And, uh, so I'm chilling. And then about, I don't know how long into the movie, 15 minutes in the movie, 10 or 15 minutes into the movie. This lady walks in with probably a dozen young girls, uh, and they were probably nine or ten, and they were very clearly at the movies for a birthday party. And I'm pretty sure she was just jumping theaters, right? Like, so she was just hopping between movies. Well, maybe the um, kids just like bears, and they were, she was like, "I heard this movie has yeah, a good bear in it." Got a bear in it. Well, so what she actually did was she lined up these twelve girls, of course, in the row right in front of me, which was awesome. Um, there were I, I cannot tell you how many empty seats, but they put them right in the row in front of me, and then she got on herself and was just pointing straight at me so there's like this big white cube pointing at me uh and so we're watching the movie and maybe three minutes into them being in the movie is the sex scene the first sex scene in the movie yeah and all the little girls start you know giggling and this sort of thing and then uh the woman is completely ignoring them absolutely completely ignoring them uh and so i actually went over to the lady and i was like hey um just point your cell phone in a different direction like, I get that you're ignoring your kids and playing on your cell phone right now, but, like, just point – you're trying to write in my face. She got mad at me, and then um, all the little girls were absolutely terrified of the rest of the movie, um, yeah. including, obviously, the, the bear and then, like, all the, everything, literally the, everything. The, the bit, like, with the, uh, the found footage bit with the stuff in the guts. Yeah, God, yes, that was – they didn't like it. didn't well, no. like that part, and they got really upset about like that guy's intestines moving around like a snake. Um. And so I'm just like, well, these little girls, like, you've just scarred these children for life. Uh-huh. Uh, you've made a huge mistake. And, uh, yeah, that that movie-going experience was so drastically different from my first experience of that movie. Um, it, it makes me question, like, going to the movies, right? Like, 
you, you have no guarantee of what that experience. Um, so like going at midnight, it's like that would be my option. Basically, like I'm going to go to the movies at 10 or 11 at night, the last mm -hmm. showing. And just hope that nobody's there and like do it on a weekday. Right. Well, anyway. to wrap up, uh, thinking of taking my kids to go see Antichrist. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> hey, uh, Nymphomaniac one and two. That's right. Ooh. Double feature. Uh, so, real quick, uh, we did this last week. Best and worst, uh, Larry Thomas. Best uh, and worst, Dalton Bond. A best license to kill. Uh, yeah, best license to kill. Um, and then I'm told there's a second would be the worst i guess it's not bad though that's the no. thing so i almost hate to say um it's worse uh, my by favorite default. between these two depends on how i feel on the day and i guess i i am feeling licensed to kill today and i wrote my original list of best and worst i put living daylights for best alton they're both good is the yeah. is the thing there so yeah uh do we even bother with the brosnan ones because i think that's pretty open and shut yeah what do we decide uh, die another day is the worst the world is not enough is the worst which is it's also very bad, but Goldeneye is unquestionably the best. It's literally my favorite James Bond. Honestly, I might say World is Not Enough is the worst just because it's so forgettable. Yes, yeah. actually, I I think I'm with you on that. Like, I Die Another Day is unquestionably bad, but I at least remember it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, best Greg, Casino Royale. Yep. yep. Agreed. Yep. Worst one for me, uh, Spectre, which I know you two, you guys like, which... I mean, I would still I, probably say that's the worst one, but I, I don't Quantum dislike Solace. it. Uh, I pick Quantum of Solace, and similarly, because I just don't... That was the one with the water thing. Yeah. I, yeah. It just yeah. didn't feel as... Um, I don't know. That, that The villain in that one is not nearly as good as well, so I don't know. It's it's fine, but I think it's the worst of the Daniel Craigs. Okay, so now here's the here's the real question for you. Overall best james bond and overall worst james bond movie uh best movie and worst movie yes uh best picture golden eye worst picture live and let die i'm gonna mm -hmm. say best uh casino royale worst Ooh, dr no of yeah. the ones i've seen I'm bored with it i get that yeah yeah I would also say that Casino Rail is probably the best one. Uh, I know that you know, I've been talking up the Dalton ones a whole lot. Uh, they're definitely in my top five, but Casino Rail is extremely good. Um, yeah, yeah. God, worst one, though. That's tough, because there's just so many. A lot of very bad ones. I picked Live and Let Die because it's the most racist. I picked it as the worst one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, probably for the same logic, I would also go with that one. Um, I really, really dislike Diamonds Are Forever 2, though, and very that movie bad, is also yeah. very problematic. Yeah, it's very bad. I would, I think Diamonds Are Forever is probably, I don't know, you only live twice. Diamonds Are Forever is unquestionably the worst Connery flick. So. God, yeah. That, it, die another, not Die Another Day, I'm sorry, Diamonds Are Forever, is, I would go with that one as the worst one. Okay. Uh, did we do? Did we do overall Bond rankings? Best to worst. Oh no. <laughs> Are we doing that? Are we going to bother how about, with it? All right. Last, we'll we'll end on this. But the best and worst actor for James Bond. We don't need to okay. rank them all out. Okay. Uh, best best Connery. Worst Lazenby. Hmm. Larry. Oh. Your thoughts on this? So and here's the we're thing. We're going to have you rank them all out, right, Larry. Here's the thing. I I might put Brosnan at the top. Like for his portrayal of Bond, even though the movies aren't great, 
Brosnan Goldeneye, I put as my number two behind Connery, and then I split the rest of the Brosnan out behind Daniel Craig. Right, and that's that. garbage, and that shouldn't count, and you were wrong to do that. <laughs> um, you have to. They're practically, they're practically a different person. Yeah. I'll, I'll still rank Brosnan too. His movies are worse than the Daniel Craig movies, but I'll still rank Brosnan too. Anyway, go ahead. I, I would still, yeah, I'd probably put Craig as one. Um, worst, gotta be, ooh. Lays and B, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, him or more, I don't know. I really don't like either. I I think I'm also in the camp of uh, Daniel Craig is the best James Bond, and the worst one, uh, Woody Allen. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Jimmy Bond. That's yeah. Look, you guys, uh, the answer was right in front of your face the entire time. You gotta think outside the box a little bit. It's Woody Allen. He's the worst. Okay. Uh, no, actually, if you're if we're going off of the uh, the broccoli ones, it's Roger Moore. Man, like I understand that Lazenby is not a very good Bond too, but goddamn, Roger Moore just represents this era of James Bond that I both find reprehensible, uh, stupid, fucking boring in a lot of places. Like he's awful. He's genuinely just trash. Movies yeah. are all terrible as well. I mean, they're uh, some of them are redeemable in some ways, but like yeah. if I never saw any of the Roger Moore Bonds, I wouldn't be upset. Right, like I have no intention of ever watching any of those again. Yeah. Cause like I may go back and watch. I've I've definitely watched the Daniel Craig ones more than once, and I've watched Goldeneye probably four or five times. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, I really don't. I have no interest or a more movie again. Anyway, rest in peace, Roger Moore. Yeah, rest <laughs> in peace, Jerry Stiller. Yeah. Um, so uh, to wrap up, we have questions, which is why I was trying to get to this. Uh, um, I'm sorry, Larry. We we right. had we had ranking business that had to be attended to. We, That's we right. set it up in the previous one. You know, can't can't break. Sure. Down. Well, here we are, two hours and fourteen minutes in. Hey, hey it's, right. a, it's a bond. It's a bondacular Jamie Con. All <laughs> right. What do you expect? It's right. a, a lot to talk about. Well, only a couple of questions here. One from a pizza, pizza goblin. You know him. Um, sure. His, his says place all the bonds on the political compass. Also, I have never seen James Bond. Um, I don't. I don't know what this means. So sorry, Pizza Goblin. I uh, can't. Not, can't help you not, out here. I think it means uh, for authoritarian, right? Libertarian, libertarian. Yeah. An economic left, economic right. I think so. Uh, just put them all. They're all going to be in the same place. Fact. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're Except all conservative. Yeah, they're all conservative, and they're <laughs> all. Hmm. They don't care about money because they just spend it wildly. I don't know if that counts. I disagree in one place, though, because uh, James Bond in Skyfall, uh, so Silva is kind of, when he's groping him up, sort of insinuates, you know, getting a little dirty together as if though it would be James Bond's first time with a man, and Bond is like, what makes you think it's the first time? Yeah. Okay, that that's not related to political <laughs> compass, though. No, 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 no. But but that's the thing is, I I think he keeps a more open mind. It would be more socially liberal oh. in that case. Yeah. Um. Maybe. Right. I would say no, that I, Craig Bond is a member of the moderate left. <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think that. Um. Like all all James Bonds are authoritarian. Yeah. Right? Like they repre- They are representative of. Uh, I think in particular, like like Judy Dench says, like this sort of um, throwback to um, the Cold War, right? right. Like they are anti-communist, 
Like yeah, they're all, they're all, all fans of Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, yeah and murderers. Uh huh. I don't. I don't think that's. Um, I think if you've seen the movies, you just go like, okay, this person is not. They and I want to say he's sort of nationalist, but not really. I think he murders a lot for himself. Yeah. I could see them, though, all being on Twitter getting real mad about socialism, though. James, okay. All, all, all James, the Red Scare. James Bonds are fat. Yeah, yeah. Wait, well, hold sure. on. What did you say? I said all James Bonds are fascists. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what we'll say. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Up. That's an excellent question. Okay. Uh, and then the other question is from Francie, who is at Deneb at Cooler.mom, uh, who asks, right. why is Roger Moore especially sexy when he's wearing the black robe at the end of The Man with the Golden Gun? Rest of the movie, attractive, puts on robe, hot. I will understand if this question is too difficult to answer. <laughs> I'll leave that to you. Thank you, George. Uh, well, I mean... There's nothing quite like an aged British man in a black <laughs> silk robe. Um, Is it like a kimono? I have very, I have no recollection of this. Um, I'm going to say that Roger Moore is, he's an attractive man. He, he has a, a handsome face. Um, he is old and busted in most of these movies. I'm assuming that the reason that the black robe looks good is because he's covering his old and busted body, except for his handsome face and probably hairy chest. Yeah, um, that's that's probably it, right? That's a very James Bond thing, right? Pierce yeah. Brosnan is like that too. He's yeah. very chest and burly and masculine and all that stuff. So, hey, look, um, man, I I also don't remember this robe scene, but that's probably because I was trying my hardest to imagine him without the robe. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Daniel Craig, he gets a shirt off every movie. Huh, I wish. Listen, if I, I wish... worked that hard, I'd take I'd take my shirt off too. Look yeah. that good. Be walking around constantly shirtless on my lawn, shirtless and short shorts. They can see my gams. You're just constantly, <laughs> constantly looking for excuses to walk out of water. Yeah, that's right. Just like unusually flexing my arm as I get my yeah. mail out of the mailbox. Just showing off your gams and your bum ticker. <laughs> yeah. Right. <sighs> I uh, I just I mostly just wish Roger Moore would stuff me in a briefcase. That's my James Bond fantasy. Great. Yeah, I just want to get my ass kicked by Sean Connery. That'll be mine. No, that's pretty good too. Yeah. No, no he could do it. He could bear me out. Oh sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, even in old age, Connery was doing interviews about how it's okay to slap women in the face. <laughs> oh, what are you gonna do? Sometimes you gotta, you know. You gotta wear somebody. I just beat him up, slap him around a little bit, uh, rip well, off their bra, and tie him up with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're done. We're done with the bonds. <laughs> we finally, it. we did it. We did it. Eventually. Yeah. Now we it. need you to finish Final Fantasy VII, so I can take you through a long walk through that oh, fucking pile no. of shit. Right. All right. Also, we gotta have Matt back on. So we wait, Matt. <laughs> wait, what was Max. It? He's Max. been on the show like three times. God, my brain today is bad. It's I need to bad. see if I could get Matt on the show. He can talk to us yeah, about Chuckle Brothers or whatever else. Cricket. Sure. Something. 
no, we we also need to have him back on to uh, talk about the Metal Gears. So right, more okay. marathon episodes coming at some oh, point. Oh boy! All right, well, yeah. thank you, Thomas, for joining us for this ill-advised uh, concept. That yeah, was fun. you know what? I really, I really appreciate uh, y'all uh, dedicating four hours to me talking too much. <laughs> um, it's it's a lot. Uh, and I, I've mentioned before, I, I talk way too much. I do it all the time. I talk professionally in a lot of ways, and I'm just going to do it. I appreciate y'all having me and, and dealing with every James Bond movie. Well, it's, it's, it's great to have you on, and I apologize for both putting you up to watching the James Bonds and then making you come here to talk about it. No, I was already watching all the James Bonds, sort of. Oh, that's um, right. Well, and uh, it, yeah, it was... Yeah. Uh, you were in the James Bond car, and then I just pushed it off the cliff. That's right. That's exactly now you get, right. Now you get that reference, and it's, it's in your fucking brain for the rest of your life. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going to say this, guys. Uh, anybody anybody that is listening, um, don't watch watch any Bond before Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> honestly, you can watch the Timothy yeah. Dalton. That's fine. Yeah. Like, All right. Was okay. All the other Brosnans. Watch Daniel Craig ones. You're fine. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but yeah, this is something we had actually kind of considered doing in the past, except I didn't want to watch all these movies. And so having someone else who has seen them all to talk about it is fine because I can mostly just relax until it gets to the good ones. Yep. So until next week, I've been Larry Davis. I've been George Brundle. Uh, bye. It's Thomas. See you later. Yeah. Goodbye, dinosaurs. Shut up. <laughs> I'm trying to do the outro. <laughs> Two hours and 21 minutes. That's okay. Do it again. Goodbye, dinosaurs. See. It was even better the second time. That's great. Take two. <laughs> <laughs>